Welcome to another edition of Mass Mats and Mayhem. I am your host, Justin Harvey. You can find me on Twitter at JustinHarvey75. You can find the entire show on Twitter at MMMShow75. And we've got a, uh, a bang-up, killer, super-stacked, packed, and racked show planned for you today on this uh, weekend before Halloween. Lots of good stuff going on. Crazy things happening in just about every organization we ever covered, ever um so we're gonna get right into it uh i'm joined by my my good friend over there on the uh the east coast he's not on the best coast today he's he's sitting on east coast time chilling out i think he's uh were you working for the trump campaign or something at trump tower what are you doing byron what up to brooklyn brooklyn what i just heard a beep um i'm in brooklyn right now um having a good time it's cold and it's three hours later in the day. So fast forwarding three hours today, I can tell you that this episode turned out really satisfactory. <laughs> satisfactory. Great. I'm glad we aspire to yes. such great heights. And, uh, um, and also, why, do you, wait, why do you look like Hugh Hefner? I, well, I'm just, this is how I dress when I podcast. I don't know why you haven't noticed before. You can find me at Byron Fever on Twitter. Uh, I, PS4, I guess, um, send me money on Venmo um, and Snapchat and Instagram. And uh, I don't know why Casey's just talking to the walls in his room, but that kind of seems normal for him. Well, let's introduce him. He is our good friend, the Lucha Gringo, the one and only Lucha. Wait, one of the one and only Lucha oh, Gringo. <laughs> wow. That's a big entrance. What's going on? Let me help you out of the chair, G -g Grandma. No, I'm taking this. Sweet. It is half-ass King Diamond. What's up? I love it. I love Gringo. Well, you came as half-ass uh -huh. King Diamond, and Byron came as Abigail. So this works out great. Mm-hmm. Abigail, no, you're in control of her brain. Abigail. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, the listeners are going to fucking hate this fire. Oh, my God. Casey, <laughs> I got a quick question for you before we get into all this crazy stuff going on. What is your favorite horror movie of all time and why? Since it's Halloween weekend, I got, I got to let you talk about it for at least a couple minutes. What is your favorite horror movie of all time and why? Hey, Justin, Go. Justin, can I interrupt and answer this instead of Casey? Okay, I would like to say uh, my favorite horror movie is um, I don't know. I just wanted to cut Casey off and steal thunder. You didn't even have a funny answer. If you're gonna cut him <laughs> off for the gag, at least give me some goods. No, Casey, I just wanted to ruin I'll everything and make it. it sad. Check this out. I got this mute button. Go, Casey. Quick before uh, you. I think um, right now it's every movie that isn't the Bates haunting. But um, no, really, uh, I'd say eh, right now, American Werewolf in London, fucking love that movie. It's kind of funny, but you know, not really scary, but nothing scares you when you live in the darkness. <laughs> America. Hey, you know what's really, really depressing for me is that they are running a Trancers Marathon. Finally, they're running a Trancers Marathon on uh, the El Rey Network, which is showing great horror movies this year, by the way. They're showing all of my favorites, and they're showing all the Puppet Master movies and all the great stuff that Charlie Band did. Mm -hmm. Except the stuff they're not showing that Charlie Band did are the two movies I worked on, which would be Transfer 6, 
They're showing one through five, but not six, and Demonicus. So um, great, there you go, there you have it. I'm, my my B movies are so bad they don't even get in a marathon with other bad B movies. And those motherfuckers played Judd Chud too, Bud the Chud. Are they? Oh Jesus! Are they showing the Ginger Dead Man movies too? I think they are. I believe they actually are. In fact, do they have Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong? That was an actual movie crossover. Oh yeah. Because they have an evil bong uh, series as well. Byron, why do you sound so muffly? You sound kind of muffly today. I don't know why I sound muffly. I have the microphone right Are here. Are you wearing your microphone under your, your lapel? Tap it. Is this working? Nope. No, oh, no. It. Scratch it. Tap it. Yeah. Or the list oh, for real? Yeah, as soon as you plugged in your headphones, it switched to that shitty mic. Great. So we don't really get to hear Byron today, but that's fine. Um, nice. I got to start this podcast off for real now that we're talking about real subjects. I, I got to shoot on a couple of things. The, the thing I want to shoot on first today is bad t-shirts. Um, and don't get me wrong. There's a lot of dope t-shirts in the wrestling world. I love like this gray Lucha shirt, like total simple thing I'm wearing. It's great. However, the last Pentagon shirt that they released on Pro Wrestling Tees, I'm just going to put it out there right now. It's, it's a blood stain on the tampon of life in the t-shirt world. It's horrible. I hate that last Pentagon T-shirt that that was released through Pro Wrestling Tees. Absolutely, guys? ass barf. The word is ass barf to describe that shirt. Uh, I don't barf. get it, man. And we even we even asked Evie Dub about the merchandising thing, and he kind of did one of these like I'm powerless in this thing. Like, if anybody in the Lucha Underground LLC listens to the show, it's like, look, guys, I'm not trying to assault your character in any fashion. Don't ban me or anything. I want to give you my money. Unless you're afraid of money, I'm a mark for Lucha Underground to a certain extent. So please take my money by putting out some more good shirts. Like, and can we get some of the good stuff that you've already made back? Like, bring back the sweatshirts, bring back some of the other ball caps. Like, you know, there's some dope Lucha ball caps out there. And I, I'm running through them, I'm working them out, and they're getting messed up. Like the, the red and black trucker hat, the black and white one, I've only seen like a few of those. Those went so fast and never came back. And the T-shirt, that T-shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees right now, unacceptable. unacceptable. My, my red and black trucker hat is now orange because I wore it so many fucking times. And uh, Byron's still on mute, or he just fucked something up on his side. I don't know. I don't know. I, it's fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. He can just sit there and look pretty like Hugh Hefner. Can't hear a thing you're saying. Um, and then, uh, oh, it's so Marty the Moth releases another shirt. No, nope. Not good, no. Marty. Nope. No. Not feeling it, brother. Those are awful. Oh, I can hear Byron again. Yeah, they're just not. Uh, it's no bueno. Like, Marty, I love you. Your character's so over. Aztec pride, dope. And I understand yeah. he can't necessarily do the Aztec pride thing or doesn't want to, but this is a guy who I'm pretty sure knows how to make some money. That shirt is not going to do it, man. Like, your your hard, hardcore marks are going to go for that shirt, but it's got no appeal outside of that. I mean... It's like a Twitwell shirt with 17 fonts on it. It's not good. Oh, shots fired. Boom. I don't, I don't get what? that reference. The, the Twitwell shirt was not my favorite shirt. Now, look, I can only talk so much because we don't have our fucking shirts out, but we just got our logo finished and some other stuff. We'll get some shirts going eventually, but I also don't care. I'm not like trying to get myself over by having somebody else wear my shirt. Like I want a shirt because I think our logo is sweet. That's it. Like I like badass logos. I might even get that as a fucking tattoo. Like I want a clean, good look or something funny or something that plays off of something cool. Like 
but don't just throw some words on a shirt with a bunk ass design, dude. I'm not gonna buy it. I'm not buying it. Mm. It's that simple. Yeah, you should see the horrible shit Byron made on the video game using our logos. Those are not <laughs> Triple M Show shirts. I just want to tell that to everyone. They are they are official MMM Show shirts, which are on on uh, 2K17. Basically, what I do is um, I noticed right away I had Casey's. Are you muting me? Oh, I'm muting. I'm eating my breakfast. All right. So <laughs> I I've, I have Casey's face on my game, the picture of it. So what I do is I put his face in all of my clothes. I don't know why yeah, Casey's making for you. So obviously there's a John Cena shirt that has Casey's face on it because he's the face of the Senation. And most recently I that updated. Goes. How did you say that? Say it again. Most recently I now have. Wait, did you uh, say Senation? Yeah. So Sination? most recently now I've made um, a wrestling attire with Billy Gunn's uh, shorts with, uh, with the lips on them. And then Casey's face right on the crotch where it belongs. So you're yeah, saying you like having Casey's face then, near your crotch. And then yeah, MMM yeah. logo and then MMM uh, logo on the back. So people, you know, yeah. so the branding is there. He wears the same outfit, including the um, the right hand cum guard when he's a rent boy on uh, Santa Monica Boulevard. So I'm glad you could replicate it in the game. I don't appreciate you using my face to fund your male prostitution. I'm just glad he can actually pay rent. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be working at some point in the near future, unconfirmed, but you know. I heard that he's in New York because he had to flee stash charges in uh, West Coast here. I believe that. I would totally believe that. Is it that Megan's Law thing again? Yeah. He, he keeps coming up on the address search. All right. Well, there's plenty of other stuff I want to shoot on later. I, I had to shoot on t-shirts a little bit just because I'm frustrated by merchandising stuff. Like, I, seriously, I want to spend money on cool stuff, people. I will buy your stuff. Vinny Massaro will tell you, I will buy your stuff. Like, if, if you have cool stuff, like, Byron is a mark. He'll buy your stuff if you have cool stuff. But you okay. got to have cool stuff, guys. Look um, at my cool stuff, dude. Check out these fucking Count's Chocula socks right here and shit. And the shirt. Lucha Underground, catch up with Count Chocula. Thank you. <laughs> hey, Lucha's got some good merch. It's just like, it's hard yeah. to get the sizes that you want. Mm -hmm. It's hard to find it, and it doesn't stay in circulation for very long. And then, you know, every third or fourth shirt is not as good. So I want Yeah, I really want that hoodie, the real basic Lucha Underground hoodie that like 20 people from season one have. Yeah, that should just be like in stock all the time until every wrestling fan in America has one. Um, all right, let's get into the speaking of Lucha Underground. Um, I, I want to talk about Invivo and some other stuff going on with Jack Evans and some fun stuff there. I got some UFC stuff to talk about, tons of stuff going on there with uh, GSP and Uriah Faber and all this other stuff going on there. I want to talk a little bit about B TNA and court battles and things that are going on there. I want to talk some about WWE and what they've got going on with women's wrestling and some things going on there. But before I can do any of that, I got to deal with the A number one top priority of the day the latest episode of lucha underground season three episode ocho eight is that where we're at now gifts plural gifts of the gods plural two plurals two g's gifts of the gods Woo! Um, 
And the first vignette is, uh, I think, one of these moments that Casey is living for to see in this show. Sexy Star coming into the office with some huevos, as uh, Dario said. Casey, what'd you think? I, I think it's great that she's not allowed to speak English anymore. <laughs> okay. Well, you think it's great that I'm also not allowed to speak Spanish anymore. So I think that's a fair trade. Well, why yeah, would she called and told me no more. Sorry. Well, why, why would she speak English to Dario when it's just the two of them? Well, he spoke English back to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he understands. So she's going to talk some shit in the language that that she wants to talk in. Whereas Johnny Mundo, say what you will about him, but he probably won't understand when she's spitting hot fire like she does in Spanish. Well, my question, uh, I, I wonder this too, because I think we saw this kind of stop. Um, remember when Dario used to cut all of his promos in English and in Spanish in front of the temple and a couple of the wrestlers would kind of do it a little bit too. It was like, yeah, it was yeah, weird. I didn't know the Spanish TV deal. They don't have a, a real Spanish TV deal, right? Because it was weird on my time Warner on the on demand part of time Warner. What you got was the Spanish version of the show. Like I right. got to see the whole um, first season in English and in Spanish because when I would go back and watch it again on on demand, sometimes it would be the Spanish version. So you would see the Spanish versions of those promos that Dario cut, and some of them are way better to tell you. <laughs> that first well, I wanted to. I showed a group of people, uh, my brother's friends, at his bachelor party, Ultima Lucha One, the Pentagon match. Um, I had to show it to them, but I could only show it to them in Spanish which is kind of weird, but they still got the gist of it. They still understood what was happening. Oh, I like that it's a bilingual show. Regardless, I thought it was kind of cool that she was speaking Spanish, she was speaking English. And it's just like, mm-hmm. whatever language you speak, just come in and speak it. You know, hopefully whenever these ninjas show up or whatever, whoever they are, maybe they'll speak Japanese or Korean or something. Wow, they can't be like Richard Harrison and be British dudes? <laughs> Let's hope not. Uh, That's a plug for the Bad Movie Night podcast I did last week. It should be going out sometime this week, maybe next week, something. Was he the Ninja Terminator dude where it's like a movie called Ninja Terminator in Japan starring a white guy with blonde hair? Oh, it was made in Hong Kong. It never got a (laughs) movie. But yeah, he's he's very white and wearing guy liner and... (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. We, we talk about it on the Bad Movie Night podcast. Check it out. It's N-I-T-E, Bad Movie Night at oh. badmovienight.com. So this first vignette, basically it's a sexy star throwing down her belt saying I, she wants the, the, the shot. I mean, I think maybe she is feeling the pressure finally to just cash that thing in. I don't know why she's been sitting on it as long as she has, but She's basically saying, yeah, I want the shot against Batanza. And Dara's like, well, that's all well and good, but uh, you got uh, Mundo this week. And on top of that, if any of your super friends buddies show up from the trio's uh, champions, they're going to be banned from the temple forever if they get involved <laughs> in the match. Like, he didn't fuck around. It wasn't like oh, a three-week ban, a, you know, wellness violation kind of ban. We're talking like the full-on get the hell out of here, which Drago can tell you right now, Boy, that's not a fun feeling to get kicked out of the temple forever. Then you got to fight your way back in and all that stuff to still be on TV. That's no good. Yeah. yeah. Little problem with all these banishment stipulations when the first one they did didn't stick. But, eh. but you well, know, look, it's wrestling. 
You have sexy star coming in on fire, trying to demand stuff left and right. Dario probably could smell that she had a plan that she was going to start cheating and do whatever she could. And he's like, I want a fair fight in my temple. My temple's about fair competition. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because so she's, cause she's the cheater here. Yeah, she's so the cheater. I don't know. What yeah. you think? I, I kind of like the statement that she made here. I like seeing her face at the beginning of the show and her basically saying, I don't need help. I don't want help. I can beat these guys on my own. Um, I mean, did you guys think that that was a delusional statement coming from her or was it getting the, the crowd fired up the right way? I think she had to do that because she's no. the contender. And I mean, you can't just, if she doesn't challenge, if she doesn't do that, then by no action, she's stating that she's not good enough or that she's scared of Matanza. And so she needs to keep at least some amount of forward progress towards the title. Look, I'm a grown-ass man. I've been in some real fights. I'm scared of Matanza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're not a fighter in, in the temple. You don't True. have to get to the God's belt. If you're not going to challenge for it, you might as well give it to someone else. Yeah. I, I almost got that fucking coin when Chavo dropped it that one time, dude. And I wouldn't cash it in against Matanza. I'm just saying. So... Just. Let's let's move on from that. Uh, oh, I do love the very end, though. Dario saying, basically, um, as my mother can attest, women don't fare so well against my brother. That is some cold-ass shit right there. That is just, yeah. that's like, wow. That was a nice touch. Um, I, I, like, my jaw hit the floor when he said that because he's not wrong at all. <laughs> I wonder if we're ever going to get the flashback to what Matanza did to Mama Cueto. We did in the comic book, man, that like four of us got. It's in there. You can find all of them in PDF online, by the way. Download oh, it and read all please. of them. Fucking do it. They're awesome. They're, they are great comics. Yeah, I but I want full video, man. I want to see it. I want to see what happened. <sighs> Um, big props to Slapback, one of my favorite bands from the Temple, once again, on this week's episode. Yeah, we can hear that, Byron. We can hear it. Yeah. You love, like, audio interference with this whole thing. Um, uh, Slapback, big props. Love them. Great funk band. Like, there were some times when things were a little slow and they were setting some things up. Melissa has, like, 52 wardrobe changes, and it takes a little while to, to pour on those dresses sometimes. So... Um, slapback kept us well entertained to an extent that you're not even going to get to really see on the show. You only get these little snippets and segments of it, but I would say check, check them out on uh, Twitter at slapback S L A P B A B A K slapback on. Uh, yeah, I tell you're going to get the rage against the machine covers that we got on the show. That. You got to go to one of their shows to get that stuff. Yeah. That shit was great too. So there we go. Yeah, nothing gets the crowd fired up like a funk version of "Killing in the Name of." It's dope. Unless it's, um, unless it's King Diamond, who's yet to be in the temple. True, true. Uh, match number one: Ivelisse, Marty. Yeah, yeah. Match Marty, super creepy on Melissa again mm -hmm. to the point where uh, she she threw his shirt at one point like he had put AIDS on it or something. It was horrifying. I mean, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know that he didn't. It was a nice touch. It was it was it was creepy. I mean, like, look, if you want the guy to be creepy, he's selling creepy all day long. What did <laughs> you guys think of the actual match, Casey? You go first. Uh, hey, it was good. It, this 
it's kind of weird having Ivelisse work a match this good on a show that Sexy Star is also wrestling, but, you know, it happened. And, um, but isn't that kind of what you want? It's like the whole UFC thing where, like, if you're the contender for the heavyweight title, you want to be on the same card as the champ. So people are, are making that connection to you still. So you're like, your, your name is still in the mix and your timing is right to, to face off against that person. Does, isn't that kind of part of what's going on? I feel Casey yeah, has I a real strong best. point there. Well, the the Casey has a real strong point where, like, he normally has just he hates sexy star and says he hates her because she sucks. But this is a very strong point where sexy star had a big, big match that had a lot of chaos, and she was fighting from underneath. It was like a five on two sort of thing, or whatever the numbers were, and so she needed to have a lot behind her, and that's what Eva Lee said. Eva Lee would have performed a better in that situation i think and then they just showed that she would right before sexy star had to interesting but i mean you know i guess it was similar in in a certain regard like you're getting kind of the same emotion and feeling from both matches they're both baby faces they're both up against strong physically stronger uh, opponents um but i don't know i mean you know Stryker pointed out early on that that Marty in this match had the strength advantage, but Ivelisse had the lower center of gravity. And it is a mighty nice lower center of gravity, if I do say so myself. Um, yeah, it's not bad. But is style-wise, I thought it was very interesting because they worked a lot of rest holds. They really did. And it didn't bother me at all. Normally, matches like that bother me, but something about especially the facial expressions from both of them, and especially Marty... Like, the way they were selling it, people, take note, this is how you sell rest holds and actually make me care. Like, there wasn't a ton of action in this match. Both of them have had bigger matches physically, you know, and can do more physically. But why? You don't necessarily have to. It's the first match on a regular Wednesday night. It's leading to a bigger angle. You don't always have to kill yourself to keep us entertained. Casey? Yes. He's, I'm promoting. Oh, he's, he's messaging the heels to tell him to tune in. Uh, uh, um, no, but I, no, I agree. I agree because it's it's both where you're invested in the characters, but then they are actively using their characters in between the action. So it's not like they just they do a move and then they hit their their taunt or their pose or a catchphrase. They're working the characters into all the action too, which is great. You get more, you tell the story more. You don't have to get dropped on your head the whole match. But I also thought that it was, they did a great job where Marty was the big, slow, strong guy. Um, and, and Ivelisse struck quick and she hit, you know, she would hit her kicks or she would hit her strikes and moves to a point where it looked effective. And I was surprised that she lost. But also, like that move where she got dropped on her head, it looked like that would that would end the match. So it was. I thought it was a good match, and and the way they presented it uh, on commentary um, really helped out as well. The guys this week, you you guys will know more with your um, MMA expertise, but I think they were Striker and Vampiro were uh, on point with explaining holds, with the blood choke, the air choke, that sort of stuff, really helping you understand. Yeah, and a little more of that commentary is not necessarily well. It's it's pan pan craze style kind of commentary more so than than MMA. Um, 
I mean, a lot of these holds are still worked holds, but worked holds from more of a shoot style than you would find in American uh, pro wrestling. But yeah, the commentary was definitely on point. They were making uh, sports references above and beyond oh, or MMA, though. I mean, they were digging deep. It was it got it was funny to me, but it was kind of ridiculous. Well, yeah, it was a little silly when you have um, Cage and Tejano throwing each other into chairs people running for their lives and strikers like hey i'm gonna say a baseball pun here's a baseball pun but i mean i do i do like some of that levity at the same time it's like you know a certain amount of levity mixed with violence is the kind of stuff that the campy stuff that you know i like from these kind of genres of horror and science fiction and action you know i i like a lot of the campier stuff now for some people like if you want no tongue-in-cheek anything but you know it's the difference between a dc movie and a marvel movie it's like a marvel movie is a little more tongue-in-cheek and they you know they reach a big broader audience and the dc movies aren't very tongue-in-cheek and they're super bleak and dark and serious and a lot of people are like meh you know i'm just and saying they fucking suck yeah well that to boot i mean i'm sorry um effing suck uh i'm sorry i need to watch my language on this yeah. show oh so, you're a piece of poop byron what you are. So I thought it was a good match. Um, I'm excited. I mean, I'm sad he released lost, but I'm excited sort of by the post-match stuff. I'm excited to see uh, Sammy Callahan, although I, I kind of, you know, I don't necessarily find it all that interesting that he release is doing another have a boyfriend story. Yeah, but <laughs> go ahead, Case. I like how the whole crowd pops. Because they recognize him and commentary is like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> when you well, see Gus like going crazy and shit. I, and I did think that was weird. I mean, obviously they're not going to bring him in as Sammy Callahan with that being said and mm -hmm. the way that was said. But, you know, it, it was kind of a missed opportunity to me to tout him for the reputation he already has. I mean, I, I would have said you know, just to kind of, this guy's been around and he's been everywhere. And, you know, now that he's here, I don't know what the implications of that mean, but I guess they do that on every wrestling show. So why bother? Um, if you don't know who Sammy Callahan is, look him up because he's don't watch him on NXT. Yeah. Forget don't. No, that was, um, that was Solomon Crow, completely different person. Just ignore it. That is what you call my friends, a bad run. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's awfully generous of you. <laughs> so it's called uh, signing with the wrong company. Well, and in a, in a company that, you know, honestly, his style and gimmick and, and, and the way that he works just didn't really fit in. I mean, he's a, he's a very fast-paced wrestler, too. And in the WWE world where you're trying to fill a lot of time, you only want certain spots to be fast. In Lucha Underground, where you're trying to cram in three or four uh, fights per one hour episode. I could see Sammy style working a lot better here. The thing about the evil angle that I like is look, you've already saddled her character with this kind of thing. And I like that, you know, part of her kryptonite is possibly that she has bad taste in men. <laughs> why, why should that not be an angle? You know, yeah, I think it'd be fine if it was a male wrestler that had bad taste in women. Why not have it be the other way around? I don't, you know, it is. A, it is. Um, it I have so is, many like, jokes about rounding that. out, yeah. rounding out like the you know the character, like the reality behind the person. I get that, and I and I do appreciate that they're going um, 
in a different direction than normal. Like they're still maintaining her integrity, still maintaining his integrity without making it seem seeming like a teenage drama. Um, right. And I don't I think-, think they're stealing my real life, Poppy. Uh, I have a bad taste in men too. Will you marry me, Poppy? I don't know. There does seem to be a lot of that going on. See, these things, these stories, they they mirror real life too, though. They, they used mirror to be tag partners. What's that? They used to be tag partners back at NXT. They did. When it was full, when it was FSW. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, some interesting, huh? Well, yeah. So good. They have they have some history, and they obviously have chemistry in their scenes. They're working well together. And like I said, these uh these bad boyfriend stories are not too far from from real life stories. I mean, a lot of women involved in wrestling pick men poorly that have been you know married or in other relationships. And boy, I'm offended by that comment. <laughs> Casey, why are you why are you promoting total divas? Because he gives me lots of money and it's also the name of one of my favorite drugs. I want to hear your Becky Lynch impersonation. That's the one I really want to hear. Oh, God. It's the same as Conor McGregor. I I only have one. Except way deeper. I I mean, she has some bass in her voice. She scared me when she got on the mic on SmackDown this week. There's rumors coming out that Kevin Dunn hates her accent, so she's not going to get promos or much promo time anymore. Well, I hate Kevin Dunn's huge fucking teeth. How about that? Yeah. A zing. Um, anyway, let's go into the vignettes real quick. There was a a real Paul London um, Rabbit Tribe promo this week. I mean, boy, they are talk about TikTok. They are building this thing up slow as hell. You are late for an important date. Can we get these fools on TV already? What's up, Rabbit Tribe? I'm gonna say my prediction now that Aztec Warfare is announced. Um, is that they're going to come into Aztec Warfare and they're just going to keep messing with us until then. I don't know. I sincerely don't know when they come in, but that would make the most sense. For when you're I feel like they're busy. People. You know, they're over at Nightclaw's house hanging out with him, you know, saying, what up, Nightclaw? Uh, where you been? And he's, he's like, it's a long story, bro. And he started the story when the vignette started but the vignettes aren't over <laughs> yet because Nightclaw's still telling them the story of where the fuck he's been this whole season. Yeah, where the hell is Nightclaw? Where's Daga? What's going on here? We're yeah, missing some guys. guys here. Hey, where's Superfly at? You know what I'm saying? What's up? Where are these where's dudes the at? Tiger. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe Nightclaw is one of the Rabbit Tribe buddies. I don't know. Weren't those guys all masked up or something? I, I don't even remember that. Uh, that season three promo. You can't have pants so hanging long. out with a bunch of rabbits for too long. He's oh, just trying so. to eat them, you know? Um, <laughs> anyway, he, it, it's basically he said he followed the white rabbit and it led him back to his roots, the tribe. Uh, he used to be lost and now he's found. Follow the white rabbit. Exciting stuff. Well, I got notes this week. Actually, yeah. I would forget things, man, if I didn't, because uh, I spent a little too much time in that rabbit tribe land myself this week. Um, yeah. Vignette number three. So this is a little more of the uh, Callis Callahan, the the more the Sammy thing. Um, it was funny. Like this whole segment, this sequence was funny with his yo, 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 babe, what's the hurry kind of shit that he was doing. Um, and it's him saying he quit taking orders from people the day he dropped out of high school, which I love. That was a great way to kind of inform you of his character. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> 
enjoyed that. I'm sorry, my tar man's jaw fell off under the chair, and I'm trying to find it right now. That's more important than this, Casey, for sure. Um, if my cat eats it, he'll die. Yeah, don't don't let your cat die. You oh. have like three cats. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't mean he wants to lose one of them. Um, and and I like I like Sammy's argument here that uh, Dario gave him an offer to compete, and it's always been his dream to hurt people for money because obviously they wouldn't let him do that in NXT. Just. <laughs> he was he a was computer their hacker. He <laughs> shows up with an iPad, and he's like, "I'm gonna turn the lights off with them, and when I turn the lights on, I'll pin you." <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's basically all the shit Byron does at his apartment to show off his fucking lights that he has in there. Yeah, Dude, cool lights. I don't really like Byron, but I gotta say, I like the lights in his apartment. Yeah, those lights are dope. I think Thank it's kind of cool. I, I'll take it. <laughs> That's all you're getting. So I'm <laughs> glad you're taking it. Um, hey, how'd you like uh, the little uh, or the overt J.J. Abrams influence on these scenes? Why, whatever do you mean, Byron? Well, there's a visual style um, that he is known for. If you watch, I would say, any of his movies. Where, you mean um, the blue lens flare? The, the lens flare where it's like, oh, this isn't a real one. This is like a, a computer one. That's like when you have the sliders and you're like effect strength, like on a scale of one to 100, he has his, uh, he uses like his money to hire people to reprogram it, to send it to like 300. And then you have this super magnificent fake lens flare all over the screen. That is perfectly horizontal, by the way, <laughs> and completely level to earth, no matter what you do. <laughs> No matter how you turn the camera or position it towards the light source, it's 100% perfectly horizontal. I feel like our, our listeners are perfectly horizontal, falling asleep from Byron's long-ass description of that. You might be right. Um, the mm. chemistry, though, um, between Ivelisse and, and Sammy, obviously, I mean, she's setting it up right here, right off the bat, that basically, fine, but if Dario ever puts us up against each other, I'm going to kick your ass. Like... You know, and, and uh, going back to the Marty match, the, the thing that I felt worst about in the Marty match was that Mariposa is standing on the sidelines. Dear Lord, what do we do with Mariposa at this point? She is a great wrestler. Mm -hmm. Like, she is really, really talented, guys. And I, I, I hope she's not getting grounded on the sidelines of these feuds and stuff. And, and, you know, because Marty is really getting the shine, getting the rub. So... I want to see her get something credible going here feud-wise. I don't know if that's Cobra Moon or getting into the mix with Ivelisse here. Um, but, or, or maybe now that we've got, you know, uh, Sammy joining Ivelisse here that we can get a, a tag feud going between the two teams, which would be good to get Mariposa back in there. But, dude, like, you don't get a Nomas match without, you know, an opponent. Right? Yeah. No, she's good. I, I hope to see her start fighting someone. You know, it's funny that everyone compares her to Mankind since she looks like him. But uh, same Only thing the mask on. after Hell in a Cell. He had this blowaway match that everyone fucking loved, and then they didn't do anything for him for a while. She's getting Mankinded. So yeah, she really is. She really is. So um, I hope that we get to see a lot more for this season. There's still a lot of episodes left. Sorry, I'm still mm, delicious. Chewing my mm -hmm. food. Mm -hmm. mm, delicious. All right. So now is the time. Here we go. We're going to open a whole can of worms here. Vignette number four. What's in the box? What's in the fucking box? What's in the goddamn box? 
Tell him, Brad Pitt, what's in the box? It was uh, Councilman Delgado's dick. That's from Goldust's failed gimmick seven. Dario Cueto has the upper hand now. Sorry, I had to <laughs> do my Morgan Freeman. There's a lot to be taken from this segment, but I would say the biggest thing I got from this is... Councilman uh, Delgado's shiny dick? Yeah. They're not, not going to show us who the claw is, who Mr. Claw is. That guy doesn't exist anymore. So you think that that was the guy, and now that the dissension is complete, that he is, in fact, in the box and no longer riding around in the back of the limo? That's what I think, because he wasn't there. That was a big meeting, right? right. And now you have, um, you have Renegade talking with all that authority to Dario, and Dario super stoked. And he said the dissension was... Uh, complete. complete. That was the first line. Dar uh, Delgado is just basically saying his dissension is now complete. Um, and now they find a new Dario host body. Said, and Dario says, soon the gods will be reunited and no one will stop us. So Once they find a new host body. Right, but is he saying that the gods will be reunited as in whatever's in Matanza and whatever this creature is, once they come together, they're going to be like a super powerful force? Like They're going to fuck. He specifically said <laughs> there's going to be yeah. gods that were reunited, and we're not just talking about this, whatever's in the box being reunited with someone. That's, a good, that point a, good because, point. that's a good point because you would think that Dario would give the box to Matanza, but Matanza already has the god. Like he already did this once mm -hmm. by, through the logic of what you're saying. So now he's pretty much looking to build a second Matanza. Well, yeah, and that's what it sounds like, but I don't know. this. Uh, if it's this claw guy that was in the the car before, this guy is more of a thinker than Matanza is. Matanza is like a killing machine to a certain extent, and, and you know whoever was Dr. Claw, the limo guy, was clearly yeah. more of a mastermind behind this whole end of days thing that you know Captain Hotness and everyone's fighting against trying to, to make happen, and Dario is obviously trying to help bring about or is beholden to try to make it come about for some reason. Um, and I thought it was very interesting. So, you know, and then we get to Delgado asking if Dario has chosen a new host body and he makes obviously strong overtures to the, the cage Tejano match coming up next that this match tonight may determine who that is. And he's got these two godlike guys and, you know, basically Delgado is like, well, by the time this is over, one of them is going to be more than godlike. They're going to basically be a god. So, yeah, you know, really seeing that Tejano or Cage could end up being limo guy? No, because um, let me tell you guys, I'm going to drop some spoilers right here because I know exactly what's going on. I'm not going to listen. I can't hear you. You see, uh, you, everyone is concentrating on the word bodies when really the key is hosts. And you see, who are the two greatest hosts of all time that we've seen in the temple multiple times? That is Pat Sajak and Alex Trebek. And when they have their match, which is coming up in a couple weeks, spoiler alert, I'm sorry, you're going to see what a punk bitch Alex Trebek really is when Pat Sajak uses the dial of doom as his own wheel of misfortune. And he claims the power of the gods that is rightfully belonging to Pat Sajak. And then Vanna White comes in, just fucking takes Melissa, gives her a tombstone pile driver and shit. 
It's fucked up, bro. It's like on the floor. Yeah. Right in front of where we were sitting. It was crazy. So that's what's coming up. Spoiler alert. Ban me. I'm already banned. You guys heard it here first from the Lucha Gringo himself who knows all and sees all and says all. I missed all of that. Well, good for you, man. It was, it's going to be intense, though. I, I don't know if I was at that taping, but what Casey just broke on this show is is big, big stuff, dude. Pat okay. Sajak does not fuck around, sir. Ah. We'll just call him P.S. Just call him P.S. Yeah. You're all you're all good, Byron. Then people are going to think it's Michael Hayes, man. Shit. Um, well, I, I think if he doesn't use a certain word every other sentence, people will know it's not Michael Hayes. Well, look, we're, we're moving the storyline along here. This is a big leap that we've kind of been waiting for. Like, we need some action to come out of this storyline, to come out of the limo, for, for God's sake. Let's get, the, let's get this out of the limousine and into the temple so we can see what's going to happen next. I mean, we're eight episodes in here. We're almost uh, a quarter of the way through the, the season. Um, uh, and I, I like this. I cannot I, believe that the show stoops so low is to do the dick in the box gag <laughs> segment That's because we all know it was it was um, it was Lorenzo Lamas's dick, which we all know from snooping around in the bathrooms at the temple is very shiny. That could catch that could fetch a high price too. I mean, Renegade, yeah. the Renegade piece in a box. It's, well, basically, I heard Marvel wants it so they can do a Silver Surfer movie because whenever anyone sees a Silver Surfer, they laugh at him because he doesn't have a dick. So they're like, all right, so we're going to get Lorenzo Lamas's dick and put it on the Silver Surfer. And um, then one of, Casey, one yeah. of our listeners wants to know, what, what are you? Like I'm, face paint wise, not, not like I'm a white guy. Podcast host. Go back and listen to the beginning of the show where I clearly explained that I was a half-ass King Diamond that I, I put on this makeup in the 20 minutes that Justin was getting ready for the show. And I, I fucked up, but I just kept going. I had to commit at that point. I didn't have time to wash this shit off. So there you go. King Diamond. Look Sorry, I was running a little late. I had to shave the unibrow thing. These were like connecting. It was not, it was not cool. You didn't want to do the Santino Morello, man? It's no. what everyone does. But anyway, um, yeah, King Diamond. Look him up. If you couldn't tell immediately that I was King Diamond... You must uh, educate yourselves on the works of King Diamond. Thank you. Um, so anyway, I got to put something else over at this point. Um, I got to shoot again real quick before we get into the rest of this episode because today I just feel like shooting a little bit. Um, if you are going to watch the East Coast feed of the show, there are a lot of us that do not get to see the East Coast feed of the show. Don't tag anybody that is outside of the East Coast time zone in a spoiler for the goddamn show when they haven't had a chance to watch it yet. We're all freaking fans of the show, and we don't want to know 10 minutes before we watch it what the hell just happened. I don't care if you have a live reaction fucking podcast. I don't care if you know what's going on or you think everyone else has seen it or you think somebody is watching it on Sling. Just wait the three hours. You can't wait three hours to not ruin it for everybody else who watches the damn show. Don't get me wrong. I know on Twitter that there's going to be spoilers, that they're live tweeting the show or whatever, but we turn our notifications off during that. Okay, but if you actually tag me in something, I'm thinking, oh, somebody's trying to tell me something. So you're going to look at it, if you, especially if you're tagged, especially if it's one of our so-called friends that's out there. But don't tag somebody 
about the damn show like seconds after it's happened when you don't know if they've watched it yet. You can throw, you can hit them up with a tag like, hey, have you watched the show yet? If so, check this out or something. But don't clickbait people with bullshit spoilers right when the show happens that are your friends that still haven't gotten to see the show. I'm sorry that the show is not live for all of us all around the world like other programs are, but it's not. There's two broadcast people. There's East Coast. There's West Coast. Leave the West Coast alone, man. Please. Just don't tag Actually, people. Us West Coast them. guys. Us West Coast guys could really fuck things up for you if we wanted to because we've seen everything. So if you want to start the spoiler game, oh, we can ruin some shit and you will not tell what is real and what is not Pat Sajak. What were you going to say, Byron? I was just going to say just don't tag people in spoilers anyway. Of any kind. Yeah, we said this yeah. last week too. Damn it. If you think you know something about the show and you want to have a discussion or whatever, that's fine. But if you think you have a spoiler, like if you have a real spoiler, don't put my name anywhere near it. Don't don't tell me shit. I already know. And, and if, if I don't think, know, I don't want to know. Don't DM me with your theories on the show when I go to all the tapings, please. Thank you. We're not going to confirm or deny any of it anyway. So, I mean, but like, I don't mind having discussions. Just tell you wrong shit the whole time to fuck with you. That's what I'm going to do. I don't mind having discussions about certain theories, especially about backstage vignette stuff that none of us have seen like this. What's in the box stuff. None of us know. None of us know. Skip and a few people who are in the segments know half the wrestlers who are on the show. Don't know. Yeah. So anyway, I just, well, I mean, besides you, you're just, but you're intuitive. Um, I know. Go Cleveland, by the way. Let's go Tribe. World Series, let's make this happen. Please. Need some more rings and stuff in Cleveland. Hey, you guys. Hey, going um, I got to call bullshit on that because um, my family is in with the Cubs, and I I just have to support. Um, so, um, yeah. Look, I'm not going to diss on the Cubs because I do think it's cool that they got there too. But I, I got to tell you, there was no better feeling than the other night when simultaneously in one building the Cavs are hoisting their banner and putting their rings on while the Indians are spanking the Cubs in the first game of the World Series in the building right next door and in the plaza in between there were more people in attendance at the plaza in between these two sold out sporting events than most stadiums fit inside them I mean like it was basically three stadiums worth of people all converging on downtown Cleveland for one big, giant, awesome moment. And those are the moments that, if you're a sports fan, you live for. So that alone was super-duper cool. I hope the Indians win just because it will really complete the story, and then the Cubs can have it next year. I just want, uh, I just wanted the Dodgers to win so we could go to the World Series together, Dude, Justin, but that, that would have been amazing because the Dodgers is all, my second favorite team. Love the Dodgers, too. A big Dodgers fan. I really, really wanted to see that. Dodgers – weren't really quite the team to do it this year, but let me get back into this match. Uh, the big boys, once again, I- I'm going to cut to the chase right here. Mm-hmm. Not a ton of stuff I need to say about this match. Uh, the throwing throwing uh, Cage through like 17 rows of chairs was awesome. I love yeah. that. But I loved the finish of this match. Yeah, I loved that it was Tejano squeaking by. It wasn't a big finishing move because you got these two juggernauts. They could obviously destroy each other i mean the whole the whole ring looked like it literally moved at least a foot during this match because they were just hitting all sorts of spots but i love that the end didn't end with a giant spot because it tells the story to me better that tejano was trying to fire himself up to get back in the game because cage did have the 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 steam going into this he did have two wins uh to none 
So Tejano is just smartly being a smart wrestler and squeaking out a win wherever he can, not trying to do something fancy, get the win, get out of there, get back on the horse, come back and have the big match next time. Loved it. You know what's weird? Um, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but WWE tried to do something like this with Sheamus and Cesaro. Can we mute him again? No, but look, he's right. Except there's a huge difference. Look at what's going on here. You have this thing at first that just kind of starts off as a bragging rights. These two guys are great. Then you're adding ultimate opportunities to it. And then, you know, you're increasing the stakes. And then this week we find out behind the scenes that the stakes may be getting this God inserted into you or, or something. Like, this is the opposite of what WWE did. Every week that this match goes on, the stakes are increasing and it becomes more and more important and less and less about just two brawlers fighting each other. WWE, it was like every week it became more and more, ah, these guys are good, we like them, and they're in this program together. Yeah. Well, they, they, got to, they got to match seven. They're all tied up. Brutal matches. There's like fake injuries. And, and you're like, I, I wonder who's going to win. And then you realize everyone's going, wait, but what are they going to win? They were promised like a title opportunity or a world title opportunity or, or like they didn't know that going into the pay-per-view, I don't know why Casey's talking to the walls again. It's fine. But, don't worry about um, it. <laughs> but uh, they're going into it and the, you're like, you're building it up as big as you can for this blow off and no one knows what it's for. At all, at all. And now we know a lot of stuff that this one is for. And the matches are great. I mean, these guys are two great yeah. wrestlers. Um, and it keeps them from being too much in the title hunt because, you know, with guys this size, you know, I think all wrestling promotions have had problems when they have, you know, monster big guys and powerful guys. It never really makes sense when they're not in some kind of major title hunt. So this was, a, I think, genius booking to find great work for these two guys with a storyline that really matters. And hopefully we get a big payoff here. Though uh, I was really hoping to see Kevin Cross be the guy who was going to get this whatever put in him. Um, and Ew. it looks like it's Tejano and Cage at this point. I still have know. no clue what they're going to do with Cross if, they ever, if he's even going to debut this season. I don't want to see anyone get anything put in them, Justin. Mm. Point taken. Point taken. Um, anyway, uh, vignette number five. A legend loser leaves Lucha. Um, so, first of all, Dario's sitting in his office getting his Marcellus Wallace on, kind of looking into the, the glowing box. Um, you know, and, and I think, as we've said, we all know that in the Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez universe – Obviously, a soul can travel in a box and or briefcase. You know, I'm half surprised Dario wasn't smoking a pack of red apples and eating a big kahuna burger in this scene. Now that you brought up Tarantino, because of his connections with Robert Rodriguez, who's making the show, uh, what are the chances we never even see what's in it? What if they just Pulp Fiction us the whole time? That's what I think is happening here. I mean, I don't think that, that's it. You get a glow, and then the next thing you know, it's going to be in somebody or something's going to happen there. Or I don't know. Um, it was gets... Golda's suit in Pulp Fiction, by the way. It was what? So, you know, it was what? It was Golda's suit. He confirmed it. It was Golda's suit in the briefcase the whole time. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's fine. I no, know. it was a light bulb. <laughs> It was a light panel. Fighting over a light bulb. <laughs> That'd have been great if somebody did that. That'd be a great spoof. Just pull out a light panel. 
one of those little portable ones like this is what you've been fighting over your ass goes down in the fifth like it's like a couple hundred bucks you could just do that and not have to get killed for it mm-hmm. um i i i am i am depressed by this angle by the way um I don't know what's going to happen here, and I'm not very happy about it. I don't particularly want to see Chavo or Rey Mysterio, who I believe are both uh, valuable linchpins of Lucha Underground, uh, leaving Lucha. And we're going to get that, and not even at Ultima Lucha. We're going to get this like midway, or, or not even midway, a quarter into the season. One of these guys is going to be gone forever, or are they going to swerve us in some BS angle where it doesn't really happen? Um, you know, like if you say a lucha, a loser leaves lucha match is happening. One of those guys has to leave, but uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not excited about this. I think if Ray loses, he will be gone, which is bad news. Uh, but I also think that if Chavo loses, then he'll just do whatever he wants. He's a Guerrero. Look, he's we also. Well, but yeah, and we talked about that last week that Chavo has a producer credit on the show, but. You know, it's like since the time Ray came in, we've all been thinking, geez, I don't, is this going to stick? Is this going to last? I mean, Ray is not exactly on his, uh, his best legs anymore. And we've all heard that Ray, you know, kind of wants to move into other avenues of life. And, you know, he's getting up there and he's putting his time. I would um, say that Ray is actually working better than he did for most of his WWE run. I will say that Ray served this purpose of jobbing clean to Pentagon. <laughs> Everything's all right. I Whatever happens, happens. It's like the the one the one win that you actually have gotten for your boy Pentagon, huh? Uh, yeah. Well, there there was a there was a certain announcer that got set on fire. Also, uh, let's not forget that. No, that was great. That was <laughs> great stuff. Um. Well, I don't know. I just uh, and and we also got to hear. Uh, Ray say, uh, Chavo is a leech and my time is too important to be wasting any more time on Chavo's same old bullshit. Mm-hmm. That's a direct mm-hmm. quote. <laughs> Ray Ray is pissed off. Yeah, this is a yeah, different he's like, like he's still he's still rocking the 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 technical um, mentality, but he's doing it a bit more ferocious than in the past. Mm-hmm. And it's like a leech is a horrible insult for people of our generation that grew up watching Stand By Me. Because that's just like something that tries to suck the blood out of your genitals, man. Which I, 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 get, I get where he's going with it, but damn, right? It's like, I don't know. Shit. I'll, I'll be sad to see either of them go, but I hope that it is a spectacular match. So this brings me to another question, though. So if this match is next week, are we also going to get a Matanza defense next week? Because it sounded like Dario agreed to Sexy Stars saying that Matanza would defend, but he just said he didn't know who it would be against. Like, I'm a little confused. Who's going to face Matanza next week? Is he even going to fight? Uh, that was for Sexy Star to cash in the gift of the gods. It's up to Mundo if he decides that he wants to. Uh, so, you know. Uh, or maybe does Sexy Star still get the match anyway because she already declared no. that she was cashing it in? No, no, you lose the belt. The, this is, this is, uh, there's precedent set. Well, in we, the- have to, we have to talk about the match. Before we talk about the results of the match, don't we? Oh, I don't know. I'm just, I mean, this we can, we're, we're getting there, but I'm just, it, I, think it, I think it was a little strange that we have Sexy Star at the beginning of the show demanding yeah. a headlining match basically for the next week because, you know, the titles are involved. 
And then here we have Ray demanding a match that is obviously a headlining match. It's a lucha, loser leaves lucha. It's somebody's last hurrah in the temple. Um, and a two, two legends. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, let's get into that third match. Gift of the Gods defense, Mundo versus Sexy Star. Uh, Johnny, within all rights, got in most of the offense at the beginning of this match, which made perfect storytelling sense. He is the bigger, stronger guy, and a fresh Johnny Mundo versus a fresh Sexy Star. Obviously, Johnny should be getting the better of those exchanges to start. Um, so was there anything uh, – that you guys thought was interesting about the the first half of this match that we need to discuss? Nah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So then we move into the awesome front and back code breakers or whatever that uh, sexy star laid on your boy, uh, Johnny Mundo. At that point, they're really turning it and making you feel that because of slip ups by Johnny, that, you know, anyone really can win this match. Were you feeling that? Did you feel at that point like this could go either way? Um, I just, um, yeah, out of these two, Johnny's the one that slips up a lot. Yeah. Intentionally. I mean, that's the storytelling yeah. process here, right? I No, no. Mundo did a good job in this match. Uh, yeah, he told that story. It worked. It was pretty – it was a fun match to watch, actually. And uh, – Kudos to that. I mean, but with, even with your criticisms of Sexy Star, isn't this exactly what all of her matches need to be? You need to feel that underdog presence at some point in the match of, like, she's getting her ass handed to her because she's smaller, because she's working against, you know, uphill. And then at some point, for whatever reason, she finds a way to turn it around, gets that fire in her belly, and starts showing out a little bit. I mean, like, isn't yeah, that, that the formula? Yeah, that should be, but they have her going 50-50 with dudes 90% of the time. And uh, big dudes. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If it was anyone else, like, Evil East does the underdog thing great to the point where we bought that fucking roll-up on Mil Muertes at the beginning of uh, season two. Yeah. And uh, everyone went crazy thinking she was going to win. Here, I don't know, but it's also not for the Lucha Underground Championship. It's for the gift of the gods. The stakes are different. They can kind of give that to whoever they want. So it's like, yeah, you can believe it going either way. But with her having to run through all of Worldwide Underground first before getting to Mundo, I don't know, man. It, It just seemed building for that Mundo win. But then you're like, if Mundo wins, does he cash in against Matanza? Because that's just a horrible idea all around. Well, but he's been asking for that the whole time. I mean, yes. he's at least consistently been saying he just he wants the title. He doesn't care who's holding it. If Matanza's holding it, he'll find a way. And, you know, we get to the middle of this match, and first the airplane spin accidentally uh, catches Marty Elias in the in the mouth. And then you know, he's out for a long count. Sexy's sitting on top of Johnny. She reverses it and basically is on top of Johnny for a super long count where she would have won. Um, she's on him for like 15 seconds. And then Marty Elias gets back in the ring. Sexy's arguing with him. And Johnny comes running at Sexy with the spear. She moves and takes out Marty Elias. Senior official 
Marty Elias. Hold on. Taken out with a spear. And I don't know if I like this, guys. I know. I, I definitely didn't. Lucha Underground posted a picture, a screen grab from the spear for their caption list of the week. And you could tell from the still, the impact of the spear wasn't a normal spear. It was like a running, diving headbutt to the groin area. Yeah. yeah you, guys saw, you guys saw Beyond the Mat, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. like how uh, how he was telling him not to to keep his face up on a double leg because it looked like he was trying to give the guy a blowjob. <laughs> well, it happened. Uh, poor poor Marty Elias though, man. What this is this this like ref shouldn't have to do this. Ref should not be in a dangerous position just by being in the ring. Come on, Mundo. Yeah, he couldn't have turned that in midair and still hit Sexy Star in the back or something somehow. It's just weird to see Marty take so much abuse in a Johnny Mundo match. It's it is so, so strange. Why does that happen? I don't know. Do it's, we think that, that Johnny secretly has it in for Marty? He might. He, he's kicked this guy in the head. I've seen it in person. One and of these days, we're going to have to... He kicked him in the head. We're going to have to get Marty on this show and ask him about it one of these days. Or Mundo, one of them. I don't think Mundo will give did us... I, did I ever tell you guys about that story? Actually, it's a it's a fun little taping tidbit that didn't make TV. Yeah, tell us. So first taping I went to, it was like Cuerno versus Johnny Mundo. And um, Mundo... Hold on. Where'd you go? What happened? And then uh, Mundo... So, uh, wait, I don't know. The Mundo, are you going to tell the story? Mundo's going to superkick Cuerno's hat. And one of the stagehands runs over and is like, no, don't kick the fucking hat. It's expensive. It'll break. So then... Uh, <laughs> Then they're like, who wants to see me super kick? Uh, he tells that to Marty, and Marty's like, no, don't do it. And then Mundo's like, who wants to see me super kick Marty instead? So he did. <laughs> wow. So it is real. I'm not, I'm not imagining it. This, this, this happens. Mm -hmm. It's a thing. So it's confirmed that in Lucha Underground, uh, King Cuerno's hat is more expensive than Marty Elias, the referee. It, more than Marty's face, apparently, yes. Oh. That's just really messed up. That's so I don't sad. agree with that at all. Uh, well, I, I think we need I think we need Marty Elias on the show to defend himself. That's a good spot, Casey, right by a window. Yeah, I know. It's nice you can I'll, see birds. Um God, Marty Elias. Well, that's uh th this of course sets up, you know. What was going to happen? Some worldwide underpants running in. You got uh, PJ Dare, Dare Black or whatever his name is. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, Jackie Evans or whatever. Jack Evans. Jack yeah. Evans is the man. A uh, couple updates on those guys. PJ Black, who is a professional athlete of sorts, uh, decided his hobbies would include breaking his own ankles. Yeah. Yeah, and I was going to get to the Jack thing later, but we can talk about it now if you want. Oh, poor Jack. <laughs> you know what? All Jack Let's get to that later because I want to talk about it a little bit. Let's yeah. get through this match. But so anyway, the run-ins happen, and um, it, was, it was ugly for Sexy Star for a, a little bit there. A little bit ugly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, shift's rough in the temple. Yeah, but if shit gets rough, what are you going to do? Well, Lay so, down and get pinned. So it ended up being they take out Marty, and now the World Wide Underground comes in, and it's like a 
four, three on one. Taya wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And so they're all beating up Sexy Star. And then um, Rick Knox shows up to, uh, you know, give out some order and maintain maintain law and order. And then um, he, what, I think he only does a two count on a pin, and they don't like that. So then they do a double super kick on him. I don't know where I've seen that before. <laughs> Um, but then, uh, but then sexy star has another friend who I think you guys brought up last week that wasn't defending her. He made a surprise appearance to, to aid sexy star this time. Uh, do you remember who it was? I don't remember anything. Kate. All right. Well, uh, the Mac came in and gave stunners to everyone and it was awesome. Return of the Mac. Return of the Mac. Sorry. <laughs> Just what we need another another chant that requires uh, rhythm in the temple. Well, look, we do it better than what happens in the temple, and we have a time delay across the entire country. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, by the way, we have a listener a viewer comment. Uh, Casey, you need to fix your fucking fence. Sorry, didn't mean to say the f word. Oh yeah, Casey does. Um, that's my neighbor's fence, by the way. We'll fix it. It's a. What was the other comment? Who has a, a better finisher name between who and who, Byron? I don't see that. Oh, I saw the fence thing. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I was just kind of looking. I a lot of times I can't see the YouTube live uh, comments. I wish they showed up right here in the uh, in the master window. But yeah, Twitch know. does that shit. They like they just show you all the stuff. But I mean, we're not streaming video games, so we can't do Twitch. Um. Anyway, but the Mac came in. It was fun. I thought, and this was another moment where I was like, "Oh crap, sexy is going to give up the belt." Then you get the Mac in there, and you feel once again like, "Oh, she's really got a chance here." Now the the playing field is leveled, even though she doesn't have the super friends because they'll get kicked out. Dario never said the Mac was going to get kicked out, so. Uh, that was fun. All kinds of havoc, um, little bit of beatdown, but then uh, next thing you know, it's still it's back in Mundo's favor, and we get some. Um, Rick Knox was taken out on the outside. Dick yeah. Cake City. What the man? These guys and refs. What's going on here? It's kind of messed up. It's a little too sweet, right there. Rick Knox getting kicked in the face. So instead of the. The DQ finish we want, Knox is still out of it, um, and the the spear on Marty wasn't intentional, so Marty comes back in to officiate. Um, crazy. Like, in, uh, you know, I, I don't even remember half of the finish. I know that they were trying to, like, do the Brian Pillman on Sexy's neck with the chair or something, and what was going on there? Ah. Uh. Good. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you got to take your frustration out after a match like I do on WWE 2K17 <laughs> uh, when I when I bloody Byron and beat him so bad that the game deletes him from my roster by itself. Well, you did that happen to you after I beat you up. But I have a question for you, Casey. Um, on 2K17, since we're on the subject, um, when you do that breakout at the end of a match and beat someone up, how does that affect the points you get for like for for VC or for like rivalry? Like if you're in a rivalry and you and you win, 
and you beat them up after the match, does it take points away or does it add? No, it, um, it affects your heel points. It gives you more heel points on the heel face meter. I love it. There was the, uh, I, they need to fix the, the rivalry uh, thing because there's times when like they schedule you to do a run-in on someone else's match, the guy you're like trying to uh, beat up all the time, and you do it, or you're going to fight them on SmackDown, and then um, you uh, jump them on the entrance ramp, you beat them up, and you get like two points for doing that, but then you get minus three because you didn't do what Triple H wanted, wanted you to do in that match. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a huge patch that fixed a bunch of stuff, so maybe that'll make it a little more playable. Did the patch work? I mean, we were going to talk about this later, but we can jump into it right here, and then we'll finish the episode. But well, 2K17, it, what's the update, guys? Is this uh, thing working right? It's working better, but now there's new problems. Uh, so, <laughs> like, apparently a bunch of people are getting it where the ref just stops counting in matches now. Like, fuck you. I'm not counting any pins. I haven't had that happen. Sounds like instead of Russia hacking Twitter, they need to be hacking 2K17. Make the game work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please, Russia, put your powers to good, not evil. Stop hacking my Twitter feed and instead, please hack 2K17 and make this shit work right. Because we've seen Russian game developers like CG, CD Projekt Red, the guys who make the Witcher games, they know their shit. It's not broken. Ukes, on the other hand, ooh, bunch of fucking hacks. So, Casey, have you have you established a, a main online rival for 2K17 yet? Well, you know, it's funny that we talk about that when talking about the patches because despite a 5-gigabyte patch on Xbox One, a 4-gigabyte patch on PS4, the online pinning still doesn't work correctly. They didn't fix the pin meters. So, basically, whoever gets a cover first wins the fucking match. But the challenge stands for um, some guy that wears a lot of masks. He's basically like a shittier version of Byron. I forget his name, though. He wants to uh, challenge me in a mask versus hair match where our creator wrestler will have to either be bald or show their possibly Byron-like face. Wait, doesn't he have like a, a presidential name or one of those like James Bond names like Q or something? M. M. Yeah. It's M, I can right? think of what the what Q? the Q might stand for. Um, let's see. Uh, Nixon. Nixon. Is it Nixon? No, that's a radio announcer for the Kings. Um, is he related to this Homer Nixon fellow? I don't know. Is he watching uh, the show? Maybe he can tell us his name. I, I don't think he ever listens. I, I've talked way too much shit without reprival that I think that uh, I think that he doesn't listen to our show. Okay. But it's good because I don't think TwitWow does either. <laughs> they might after I talked about their t-shirt. Sorry, guys. I just The shirt needs some work. Oh, um, you think they'd be able to pick one person out of all the trash talking about their t-shirt? I don't know. I don't know if they understood that all the trash talking about shirts over the last three months was almost entirely directed at their shirt the whole time. But now, you know what? It's the second worst shirt because of that Pentagon dark shirt. So congratulations, gentlemen. But hey, Marty is in a close third. Like, look, you're in good company, man, because I love Marty Martinez, and uh, his shirt is right up there too, man. I just call him like I see him. I'm a dick, but that's just yeah. All right, I mean, so they're, they're pretty get... much all tied with the Sin Cara penis shirt now. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, let me get to the end of this match. So, yeah, 
I don't understand why the chair wasn't the finish to this match. I thought, that, but maybe because they don't want to keep Sexy Star out of action by breaking her neck or whatever. Um, but uh, Mundo reaches into the trunk for the brass knuckles. Holy old school NWA. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was a ref no look brass knuckle shot to the dome of a clearly smaller point, uh, opponent was a brutal finish, man. And I think people in the temple were like, damn, that was uncalled for. Like, no better way to heal out Mundo than to really have him go above yeah. and beyond with a triple run in from his boys, chairs, and then the brass knuckles, taking out two refs. Like, <laughs> you can get yeah. no more heal than this win over Sexy Star. Hey, we got we got to protect Sexy Star and keep her strong, apparently. But uh, I'm surprised he didn't throw powder in her eyes and also <laughs> chloroform. Uh, yeah, but okay, we got we got the win. It's fine. Um, uh, oh, zero six 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 or z- what is it? Uh, I can't Zirocco six six six. I don't know how to say that. But anyway, on YouTube, he commented that the, the T-shirts are still not as bad as the gold standard of the APA always pounding ass shirt. I will agree with that. Yeah, that that's a good comment fun. right there. And it's also not as bad as the um, Billy Gunn shirt. It says all this on the front and on the back. It says, and a really great ass too. And Byron <laughs> went to school with a guy that bought that fucking shirt and wore it in public. Oh, my God. Chris Honaker on the baseball team. Yeah, no that fucking shirt. I played baseball yeah. with him. Yeah, yeah. W, we're that. just fucking with you, by the way. Totally just messing with you, W. Just have to. I meant every word. <laughs> Come on, you can't have heat if you don't fire a little bit of heat, W. Come on. Is have he crying? Fun. Is that what's going on? Are you? I feel. I feel the tears coming through the internet. Don't cry. It's just Casey. He's smangry. Don't be mad. Oh, I'm gonna lose on a video game, and I'm scared. <laughs> um. All right. So the episode's over. Oh wait, it's not. Once again, I totally thought we were at time. Uh, probably because my sling was running a little bit behind, but we were not completely at time, and there was another segment. Um, and we got Casey's favorite uh, locker room. I mean, Casey's favorite wrestler, Vampiro. I mean, I Vampiro. But um, on I like Casey's dress like him. Yeah, you know, um, it was pretty funny because uh, you know Puma was like playing drums or something, and then Vampiro came in and he's like, "That's not my fucking tempo," and uh, it was pretty great. And um, yeah, and they shit talk Conan a lot. A lot. And the man has a great podcast for a corpse. And I, I just have to shout out this week's episode of Keeping It 100. Oh which we have not to shout to it. Dude, don't listen to it driving. You will die. Like, it is so fucking funny. You will crash your car. Look, and this week, dude, uh, Conan got more mentions on this show than anybody on Lucha Underground this week. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. And and Conan this, got more mentions than Matanza. Definitely more yeah. mentions than Pentagon Jr. did this week. Uh, than the champ and the most over guy. Um, so look, the it just it goes to show you, man. Once your name rings out, sometimes people can't keep you down. So and I still got love for Conan. I don't care who he's got beef with. I, I like his show. I like his attitude. Uh, I think that you know the stuff that he does in the back whether you like it or not, I think has always for the most part come from the right place. And people will tell you 
that you know what he was doing down in AAA was the shit, and now it's not. Now this is I'll get to that news in a minute, but this is the transition to Jack that we need to make right now, actually, because they're very well, well. Let's do that. I mean, Vampiro, credit to Vampiro. I don't know how much of this was a shoot or a work or if DJ wrote it, but Vampiro is just flat out like, I fucking hate Conan. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know. But I always respected you, Puma, like, because they were boys, and I think that they were boys for real in the back. And, you know, um, and Vamp, and the way they worked in the storyline was great too. It was like, yeah, you know, I may have talked some shit on Conan, but I never stuffed him in a coffin. So you need to take this out on your boy Mill. Which I like. It's a good angle. It's like working a little said, bit of... You have to do the same thing to him. Yeah. I like I it. I don't I'm, know if we're getting the full Puma 2.0, Pentagon, uh, Puma Dark thing happening yet or yeah. not, but I like where this is going. I love keeping Vampiro involved in these backstage angles because for me, as an old school Vampiro fan, Vamp on commentary is just not enough, mm-hmm. but I feel like I am getting enough with him being in these other segments. I, I know the guy definitely is not in his prime of wrestling, so I don't need to see him try to get in there and and do the thing in the ring. Like, we don't need another Vader Osprey. I'm good on that. Um <laughs> But yeah, let's, you know, I love keeping him involved in these storylines and I love him pushing Puma further and further. This was our babyface champ the first season and Conan mm-hmm. was kind of there to egg, egg him on, but he's not now. And, and Vampiro is apparently the next best thing to Conan. I think it's great. I also really like the visual of them backstage filming this vignette and Vampiro just making it just, he's like, I'm not going to do any of the lines you want me to do until we film me saying for five minutes how much I hate Conan. <laughs> then we'll shoot the rest of the scene. And be sure to leave me saying I hate him in at least three times. Oh, believe me, I don't think he gives up. <laughs> uh, I don't think Conan cares either. I think Conan will yeah. shoot right back. Now, yes. so moving moving from this segment back into the real world of Triple A, Triple A. What is going on I backstage? Never there. say triple A, just so you know, Justin. I can't. That. I can't say triple A. I can't. No, we don't. We don't I'm call close New Japan. Um, Shin uh, Zen Nihon Pro. No, Shin Nihon Pro Wrestling. No, so, yeah, we call it New Japan. Funny my, how that my works. My Japanese is far better than my Spanish, by the way. Um, so. What is going on down there in AAA? Is is Vampiro really now in Conan's spot backstage? Is he booking and agenting? Is this why we're getting guys like Famous B going down there now? What 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 is going on? I'm so freaking confused. And now I'm hearing that Jack Evans has been shit canned from AAA, um, possibly for talking smack in some of these articles on what was going on with Conan and stuff backstage. What is happening? Does anybody know? Dude, okay, so not really, and the answer is there's so many people that claim to be in charge of AAA that are, like, in different factions or whatever that no one has their shit together, and they're still, they still have their shit together, like, a million times more than CMLL does, but as far as communication and stuff like that, but Jack did an interview in English, and really, really just talked about the problems he was having in AAA, and how it's hard to work with them sometimes. And he was a lot nicer than he probably could have been because even like, cause there's been times where he said some shit and like Conan said some shit online. And then Jack Evans has said, yeah, I don't want to talk about that right now because he didn't want to get in trouble. 
Yeah. And I think he thought he was safe because he was doing English language or he just didn't give a fuck anymore. Well, wasn't, the, wasn't the interview in Germany as well? Like it wasn't even a U.S. interview, right? Right, right. I mean, like he did it in English, but yeah, it was on a German site or a Swiss site or something like that. But yeah, yeah it was fucked up because um, he wasn't saying stuff that I haven't heard other people say as true. And it's evident in the booking that the guy's getting dicked around like a lot. He also, he was, he would also, he was very like outspoken about it, I think, or brash about what he was saying, but he wasn't saying horrible things. Like he was talking about how, how he needs to learn to be a more complete, uh, wrestler, you know, presenting himself as a character and brought up La Parca as an example, bringing up how he is just so over and, People pay a lot of money to watch. Oh come wrestle. on! That was a backhanded compliment, but, if anything. He's basically said that the guy was the worst wrestler around, but he should take some notes from how over he is and still crappy at the same time. I don't know if you've seen that Laparca dude nowadays. I still think he was going easy on him. Yeah, he was because he didn't call him like a one-armed man or anything. Basically, Laparca sucked before. Then he got in this horrible car accident that just basically destroyed his shoulder, and. It never healed, and he kept wrestling because he's so popular. So kudos to him for, like, getting that money while I could. The match quality isn't there, and he's using another guy's gimmick, but it's like he, people still love him. Well, I mean, but, but Jack, I think I think Jack's main point, too, was that when Conan was there, you had someone that you could go to and talk about your angle who would push it to the brass and kind of try to inform the show a little bit, and the brass was still going to make their decisions, but that now – this thing exists in AAA, and we're kind of hearing this from multiple sources, that there is just no communication. It's like you show up to an event, you get your booking, you run through a couple of things, and then you go do it, and there's no rhyme or reason to your storyline. No one's telling you where your storyline even might go. Even with the old-school AAA mentality of coming up with a great idea and not seeing it through to its fruition, they're just not they're not even telling you where it might go at this point. Like you're just getting nada in the back. And then guys like Phoenix are leaving on their own. Uh, Jack is getting kicked out. And like Jack might, it might be a good thing for him. Like, bro, Jack is over. Jack could probably yeah. make a lot more money on the Indies at this point in his career. Now, maybe he was comfortable down the AAA thing, but man, I don't think he should be sweating it at all. I think this might be good news for Jack Evans. It just sucks for him because his family's down there. Yeah. Man. That, if he could relocate across the border, it would be different, I think. Well, yeah, look. But, uh, work for somebody else, but Elite's dead. Uh, I'm sure he'll get booked for the crash because Conan's involved. Right. He'll get some shows there. I mean, it, it just sucks because this is stuff that, like, isn't just a AAA problem. This is a big league lucha problem because the same shit happens in CMLL. Well, as long as I think that as long as Jack standing with Lucha Underground is intact, I hope that over time he'll he'll with a few indie bookings. And if Lucha really does start going out on the road a little bit in the in the time down, doing 40 episodes a season now, this that, and the other thing like this is the longest break because they did two and three back to back. Mm -hmm. So, so fast. Um, so I know it's a little feast or famine for a lot of these guys. But look, looking at how Pentagon's rates have gone up out there in Phoenix and what they're doing. Um, yeah, it sucks to have to relocate for work and whatnot, but at the same time, I don't know that he was in a good work environment from his own interviews to begin with. It was like, dude, 
I don't know if they were appreciating you anyway, bro. So why not? The weird thing is now, I wonder if there becomes pressure with the guys that are in Lucha Underground if Vampiro really is taking up the old Conan mantle down in AAA because Vampiro does have a lot of pull in the back. He is another guy that everyone trusts a lot. Is he going to start bringing the AAA influence back to Lucha Underground or is it going to be the other way around? Um, and, you know, and, and taking Famous B and some of these other people down there, I find interesting and I have no idea where this all might be headed. I don't either because it's weird. It's really weird yeah. because unless you're a rolled on, you don't really have power in AAA. Yeah. It's also Vampiro doesn't, I don't think he's going to have an agenda as much as Conan does. Cause Conan's been work, you know, he's been involved in putting together shows and booking for almost his whole career. Right. But Vampiro is like, he's happy to be in the game, happy to have a job. Well, so he might be a little more of a yes man, which is good. But at the same time, here's the thing. If Vampiro does go off a little bit down there, um, the roll downs are not going to have as much power with Vampiro because Vampiro is the star, one of the main stars of an MGM show that they're involved with. I mean, he's not as easily gotten rid of as Conan. Conan had a minor part yeah. on television and a lot of a uh, big part backstage at Lucha Underground. Vampiro is different. He is an integral part of the entire branding and marketing of the whole show. And to get rid of one of your main announcers and a guy who's been in major angles, um, that's a whole different story at this point. So I don't know where they're going with the whole thing. I, I love it if Vampiro's picking up more work in this point of his career. And hopefully he can do some good down there because I am a fan of the AAA product. I am a fan of some of the characters. Hate what they're doing with the clowns right now, though. Hate what they're doing with the middle of the card right now. I just like, <laughs> I don't even know what's going on down there anymore. So I, I really want to see them get it together uh, before the middle of next year. They got some time. What's Byron laughing at? I'm laughing because it, it would, it's easier for you to just say what you like about what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, because that's one or two things, you know. <laughs> I like Australian suicide. Hey, and he got a Lucha Underground tryout. Check that out. Because <laughs> cool, he's dope. It's a, it's, a, it's a dope character, and he's, you know, he's not wallowing in mid-card hell yet. It hasn't been long enough, so. I, I liked when his character used to be that he was Pentagon's bitch. Like, that was his character. Like, for no reason, Pentagon would just fuck him up all the time. Like, every match he had, completely not related to Pentagon. Pentagon would go in and, like, rip his mask off and fuck him up and then just leave. And it never led to a match or anything. So it was like he was scared. <laughs> it was great. That's good stuff. Um, last bit of Lucha news, because I got a few other things I want to cover today. Um, Lucha in vivo. Lucha yeah. in vivo. Nice, nice ring, cricket. <laughs> nice ring. So here's the thing. Like everyone was like, okay, this is signaling the start of Lucha Underground touring. No, people, please. No, no. This is signaling the start of a good working relationship between a major sponsor and the LLC um, it had very little to do with MGM or the Burnett people, though EV Dub was there, thank God. It's like, dude, bro, get out there, protect your product, man. Don't let these yeah. people just go run with your product somewhere. Great for the talent to get some work. Uh, I, I saw that uh, Cross was going out there and a couple other people that was like, oh, good. They're, they're being part of the whole thing and going mm -hmm. 
Uh, great for Mundo. We talked about this last week for him to get the rub in a big way. Like he deserves it. And he's not taking quite as many indie bookings as other people. And he's really dedicated himself to Lucha Underground. So he totally deserves it. Um, but people, this is not this is not the Lucha on the road thing that Eric Van Wagnen has been quoted talking about in various places. Our show. What our- is yeah, our show. Well, I mean, and, uh, he did a couple other interviews about it too. Like, it's no secret what they want. What the what the MGM brass would like to see is very concise uh, house show runs where they go to a city, maybe even do more than one show. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to Austin Warfare. Like they yep. put on real matches that kind of tie into wherever the storylines were left from the show. Like mid season, whoever's got the belts at the end of the season would have them there, whether the tapings were going on or not. Um, you know, and I've heard I've heard Evie Dub mention Hammerstein Ballroom and a couple other places. Maybe going back to Austin, which would make sense since El Rey and, and Rodriguez are there, uh, hitting some of those markets. Look at these markets that were are being hit for Lucha in Vivo. This is a marketing uh, thing where Cricket has said, "Oh, we can hit Latino markets in." you know, certain cities with our product, which is obviously a, a core market for them. And that's where they're going. They're going to tamale festivals and state fairs and places where people can come for free. We're mm-hmm. not even charging for these shows because the point of it is not to make money off of wrestling. The point of it is to sell cell phones in Latino communities. I got to say, tamale festival where you can watch wrestling, that sounds dope as fuck, man. Like... Oh, I'm not hating on it at all. It sounds like a good weekend. Yeah. I'm just saying that this is not the the official Lucha on tour thing that people have been waiting for. This is not the start of that. This is another deal. This is some guys in a boardroom saying, hey, can we do something with Lucha Underground to sell this product? Not Lucha Underground saying, hey, we're going out on the road. Do you want to sponsor us? Like this this came from Cricket is what I'm saying. This is not. How would it be if Cricket was like, let's go to the Renaissance Fair. But huh. you guys all have to use your, your Spanish swearing in a Renaissance accent. So I'd be sold. You know me. I go to the like, for every year. Yeah, so too madre. It'd be great. <laughs> I don't know what that means. But it's also um, – I think it's also very important to, to, um, uh, to the whole cricket thing. Like this is a cricket wireless uh, wrestling event. It's really important to keep that in mind uh, when you're expecting all of the ropes to stay on the ring, you know? Yeah, and, and I saw a lot of people giving Lucha Underground specifically crap about this ring. Uh, first of all, I don't believe this is one of their rings. I don't think no. they have a tour ring ring yet. I don't know what they use at Austin Warfare, but, you know, they're at a, a promotion level. They're not in trucks yet, people. They're not, you know, even TNA yeah. is in trucks to a certain extent, and they're not in trucks. Lucha Underground's not in trucks, folks. They are not out there in a touring capacity. They don't have a ring crew. I mean, even at the TV show, they have taught TV people and and production assistants how to be ring crew. You know, Marty Elias will be out there, you know, kind of coaching the guys through that are TV guys on how to do it. But they had a lot of practice, and they have two rings at the temple where, you know, everyone knows what to do with them, and they're not moving! They're not going anywhere. Maybe at the end of the season they get cleared out or something. I don't know what happens in the offseason in that building, but they're not moving. Like setting up a ring on the road 
is a job for a real crew. I don't know if these were people that Cricket Wireless hired. I don't know where this ring came from, if it was like some high school boxing ring or something. I don't know, but that top rope, I was mortified. I was embarrassed when I was looking at Twitter and I'm like, please don't think this is representative of the product that we love. This isn't. This is like, this is an exhibition folks and it was put together very quickly and obviously this is not the ring that they should have used they're trying to do a son of havoc jack evans match without a top rope that's ridiculous <laughs> yeah um i i don't know i don't know what to say about it other other than i hope that the next two shows um go better and the people who were there seemed like they were plenty happy and oh my god did CJ De Niro actually go? Yeah. Okay. A few people went. Thanks for coming on our podcast and talking about it, CJ. Jeez. Uh, he'll probably go on uh, Razor Cabron's podcast and talk about it. Good show, by the way. Way too oh. real. Okay. <laughs> you guys <laughs> love No Cell on the other podcast. You guys are dicks. Um, I, I like No Cell on other podcasts, except for Keeping It 100 featuring Conan. Um, but guys, I just want to say I'm not wearing a shirt today, but um, – if you have uh, an hour uh, of free time, listen to The Last Real Heels. That's the premier Lucha Underground podcast, and really, it's the best podcast. Way to put our podcast over. Listen to. Um, I, I haven't been able to like put on banners or clothing to fully advertise them, um, but I no, assume I don't know it's in the mail, so I wanted to keep promoting The Last Real Heels. Hey, Byron, I have a question yeah. for you. What's um, up? The uh, TNA in court, the Billy Corrigan thing. Did you read a bunch of those transcripts? Because I never got around to it. But what the hell happened? Does anybody know what was going on? Is Billy getting this thing or what? So, uh, there was, so there was some stuff where uh, uh, they were going to – Billy Corrigan wanted it uh, stuff redacted, not being made public. Uh, and that stuff, like the actual money amounts, will actually stay private. But basically, there, he was investing with the idea that he'll buy it, and Dixie was kind of stringing him along. I'm summarizing a lot. And then um, he got fed up, and uh, he tried to say that he was the president, which he may have like had a handshake deal as being the president. And then his lawyer sent uh, a letter saying, um, well, Billy's president, so as president, he says, you're all fired, and he's going to replace all of you. Uh, like Dixie and everyone else. Uh, and then they all went to court over this. And they're going to find out the, the the big thing is they're going to find out Monday if this injunction will stand. And right. Billy's attempt to stop any future business transactions of TNA uh, will, will hold. Because what he's doing is they can't do anything without his approval. They won't be able to sell the library. They won't be able to sell the company or anything. Well, yeah, I heard they put the kibosh on Dixie being able to sell off pieces of the library, yeah. which is um, interesting, too, with the announcement of this this flow sport online thing right. uh, where they're basically trying to become a super indie uh, version of the WWE network or like a UFC fight pass. And I got to tell you, uh, fight pass is great, man. I mean, almost everything that you need to see in the fight world is there that's not Bellator or World Series of Fighting. I mean, they've bought up all the old libraries. You can see all the old Pride stuff. You can see uh, King of the Cage, like all, all the old ones, Invicta, WEC, everything that was that was good that was out there, even Affliction that, you know, uh, Trump was running and a few of his friends. Um, 
Yeah, like if Flow Sports can do that for indie wrestling, like if I can go on there and I can yeah. see, you know, and fight the fight app's been doing some of that where you can see Ring of Honor and you can see uh, future stars of wrestling and you can see uh, wrestling from Hollywood or whatever and, and a lot of these other promotions that are, you know, getting some good up and coming talent. Like if you could do take that a little bit further and maybe get, uh, you know, Evolve or somebody else involved in there and, and, you know, keep bringing it up, maybe get some of the other foreign promotions, maybe, uh, um, maybe a good deal with AAA or CML to, uh, yeah, do CML has there. a lot of content. Oh my God. Yeah. Like full sport could be a very cool thing, but this TNA library, I think is going to be heavily contended out there because WWE network could obviously use the footage. They got a bunch of the guys now. Um, and, and their former stars went through there. So it's part of the story of that universe. Ooh, they live. I don't even have my glasses on. Like, wow. Sit around. Um, so, but, so they're going to make the decision on Monday of what's happening here. Cause I heard basically the Corrigan's new stance was that he said, if they defaulted on a certain action that he was going to get the power to hire and fire. And that's what he's arguing right now. And he also got the injunction against them selling the tape library. Yeah. Well, he's, so, what he's doing is, uh, what, the, what he's saying is, TNA, uh, I was misled about all the debts. So he was trying to buy TNA. And then now he says it's a worthless company. The, like the debts are way more, way more than what the assets are. They and, keep finding new ones, dude. Yeah. Like, and the TNA lawyer, the TNA lawyer, is saying that Corgan is basically uh, setting up like a um, "I win or you lose" situation with TNA. That either you know let Corgan take the company, or if he doesn't, then he bas- he ruins the reputation and their financial standing um, by this lawsuit. And it's it's uh, I mean. I don't know if it's a surprise or if this is any any bit of shocking at all with TNA. We all just kind of figured this is what happened. But I think it's warranted because, once again, this is Dixie breaking promises that she obviously could never keep. She's done this to talent. She's done this to investors over mm-hmm. and over again. And Billy Corrigan, she's just messed up because she brought in a high-profile investor this time who's got a lot of money and lawyers um, and, and can t- – take her to task for it. Now, I don't know if I necessarily yeah. agree with how he's doing it um, because I don't know if it really supports the workers and the good stuff that they have going on there. But at the same time, I think TNA's hand has to be forced at this point in time, one direction or another. Something clearly needs to emerge. They can't just you know keep putting the good after bad. Like He's just the last guy in a long line of people to throw money into the, the debt thing. And so they are yeah. in debt to him now along with you know 40 other people. And he's just being vocal about it and trying to do something about it. Now, what really should happen is everyone they're in debt to should probably get a piece of the company and Dixie should go away. And then those people should fight over what to do with the whole thing. I mean, that's honestly what should happen. And the courts are going to force them to either become solvent or give up that library. So the the hunt for that library is still legit. Somebody's going to get, whatever pieces of it are still left. And I've heard they've sold little pieces of it off already into certain syndication deals and whatnot. So we'll see. I think fight even has some of it on there. The F I T E, uh, not the other one. No. Um, anyway, I got to talk about WWE Byron. You're going to love this because 
there's a few things I want to talk about. First of all, I don't know if you guys watch SmackDown or not, but no. Orton goes Wyatt. Orton we goes Wyatt. Is this yeah. possible? Is this happening? I, hey, SmackDown was a good show. <laughs> I'll let can, you guys have at this. I didn't if, watch that shit. If we can just ignore that Raw happened, like I, you know, I skimmed through SmackDown, but yeah, that's a big deal. That's something that happened. Yeah, I mean, a heel turn is one thing, but Orton joining the Wyatt family, I just think is. I, I don't. I don't know what to make of that. If that really happens, like yeah. kudos to WWE where they actually didn't oversell it. They didn't telegraph it. They teased at it. They gave us a little hint or feel of it, and I went, "What?" <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Orton is Orton is a very good talent. He's one of the best in the game, but he is just extremely, extremely stale. He's been the same act. And he's been, you know, it's just, you know, what they're doing now is they're, hopefully they're freshening him up. They're putting him in a new situation where others can benefit. And it's also, um, oddly enough, a situation where Bray Wyatt uh, interacted with another uh, main event superstar wrestler and didn't lose to him. Right. So, and the Bray Wyatt phenomenon is is amazing. Every time that really feels like it's gotten tired and is fading, they keep finding ways to kick life into that too. So, yeah. kudos to WWE and working with what they got. Um, Casey, I don't know if you're around, but there's some of these that you probably will want to comment on, like this next one. Um, Shinsuke. Shinsuke, <laughs> it's been reported that he's not getting called up anytime soon. Yeah. And is this why he decided to break another man's face? Well, I don't know because Whoa. he also broke his fucking foot when he broke his face. I don't know if you guys saw the pictures of Shinsuke's foot. Uh, Austin Aries tweeted that. He's like, hey, man, if you think my face looks fucked up, you should see the guy's foot. And, yeah, it was bad, dude. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, yeah. I looked. Didn't, it wasn't like that nasty of a kick, but didn't he just kind of – the way the blocking was, Austin Aries was spinning into the kick or something, the impact, like it was like toe into the eye. Or something like that, like more like side of the foot part where you're not supposed to kick someone with into the eye. So Shinsuke's yeah. foot is purple. Looks like he's got the worst case of the beatus that they're about to fucking chop it off and shit. And then Aries is looking like the fucking Toxic Avenger. I mean, let's be honest. If somebody's face comes out of an exchange like that, somebody sucks, right? Who sucks here, Austin Aries or Shinsuke Nakamura? I Rip think, Rodgers says Nakamura sucks, which is would, hilarious. I would vote uh, Riddick Moss. That's what <laughs> I would vote. I would vote. Um, I would vote Byron Fever. No, uh, look, Nakamura is a great wrestler. If they don't want to move him up, fuck it. They're paying him like he's on the main roster, yeah. so he might as well stay where he is. Look, cool. I, I was saying this four months ago. Four months ago, I was saying on this show, Shinsuke Nakamura's not going up. People have been saying all the time, uh, he's going to go up, he's going to go up. No, you heard it from me. I meant it when I said it, and I'm going to say it again. He's going to stay on NXT. The, the Japanese people that they bring over in general are probably going to stay on NXT. It works for them. There's no reason for them on the big show. I know Shinsuke's huge. He'll get a couple of big events. He'll get some big pay-per-views. He'll probably get to do WrestleMania and some stuff. Like, you'll still see him on the big stage. But there is no reason to have him on, especially Raw, every week. Like, he's not going to go over there and cut some huge promo. He's not going to be in these soap opera-esque 
uh, drama situations. They're already having a hard time with Bailey with it. Like, and we all knew Bailey was was in a good spot in NXT, and it was going to be hard to bring her up and really have it work. I think it will over time, but Shinsuke offers them no value other than good matches. And Raw doesn't need good matches. That is not what Raw needs. Raw needs things to fill time because yeah. and good matches don't fill time. They don't. Good matches are short and sweet and good. I th- NXT is a perfect place for that. Yeah. I also think uh, basically they can have their comings and goings of the NXT brand at their shows, but as long as they keep Nakamura, Nakamura um, in the headlining, they'll sell tickets. So basic. So they'll just keep them there to sell tickets. Yeah, why not? And then and then he'll give other guys the rub that are coming up. I mean, and that's and that's the rub you want. You want a guy like that to be the guy in there feuding with your guys before you send them up the ladder to SmackDown or Raw. Like that is the way it works, and it's a great spot for him. Like I just wouldn't, I wouldn't move Shinsuke. I agree with it completely. I know a lot of people are disappointed by that, but it's not surprising. Yes, you move up Finn, but you don't move up Shinsuke. Yes, you move up Paige or uh, uh, Bailey, but you don't move up Shinsuke. You just don't. Samoa Joe, probably the same thing. Like maybe he doesn't run on SmackDown, but I would I would maybe send Samoa Joe up and then work an angle where he gets sent back down. I think that would be amazing television. That'd be hilarious and awesome and probably actually good for Joe's career. But um, I also I also think Joe makes more sense to bring up based on the fact that he can cut a good English promo. Yeah, but who's Joe going to fight with? The Miz? Like, who, yeah, who's be, Joe going to feud be, with? He'll be main event. He'll be in that scene like Kevin Owens and Seth nah. Rollins. Nah, that's like, never going to happen. And then we'll do a DNA and have him get kidnapped by ninjas and come back with a dick tattooed on his face. But I'm saying he's he's much more capable of doing the the 20-minute uh, opening the show promo than Nakamura. You but know, he's I not. Think- but he's not. Because the one thing Joe can't do is he can't sell comedy. Joe can sell the angry, mean, tough guy forever. He can do it as a face or he can do it as a heel, but he's still selling the same thing. And on Raw, I'm here to tell you three weeks of that in a row and it's already over. Joe. What about SmackDown? SmackDown, maybe. But again, I don't see him going to the top of the card at SmackDown. Maybe for one program, he could go to the top of the card, but there's no longevity in it. Like the, there's not enough diversity in his character and there doesn't need to be. Don't get me wrong. Not every guy has to be at the top of the card just because they're a great performer and wrestler. I don't think Joe needs to be that guy. But again, I could see Joe coming up to SmackDown for a while. I could see him being IC champ on SmackDown or working a program for the, the WWE belt and then moving back down the ladder. But Dude, if he was there for more than a, a seven or eight months, he would be in mid-card hell for the rest of his career. It would be bad Man. news for him. Um, it would be. So I would, do, uh, let's so talk about a cell for a minute because oh, okay, okay. Um, look, er, women's wrestling is a very hot topic in a lot of ways. Um, Bailey and Dana Brooke are on this card. Don't care. I feel so bad for Bailey that she's on the Raw brand and not SmackDown. There's nobody for her to feud with. Dana Brooke is all they've got at this point. Um, you know, it's it's horrifying situation for her. They need to bring over some of these other women from SmackDown to Raw. If that's the real belt, I understand that this program with Sasha and Charlotte is going great and is working out, but the rest of the division has no credibility on Raw right now. And then the SmackDown one is messed up for the complete opposite reason so 
Um, but she's Bailey's working Dana Brooke at this, whatever. It'll be the first match probably. And it'll be, I don't know if there's any angle they could possibly work that will make me care. <laughs> Do you care at all, Byron? Uh, I don't know. I think, I mean, I, I, I saw three steel cage matches on one show live once, um, when I was stoked to see everyone and it wasn't like a five hour long experience and it was still a bit much. I don't. But I, do you specifically care at all about Dana Brooke and Bailey? Uh, no, because Dana Brooke sucks. But also, it's just like I'm already worn out from the whole Hell in a Cell thing. I'm already worn out. Like, why? Well, I'll get to that. Um, Enzo Cass versus Gallows and Andrews. I think that's a great match, but it has no stakes, right? Well, I mean, Bullet Club has to actually win. They don't win. They're, they have no legitimacy behind them. Uh, they're not going to win, and they don't, basically. They're, they're jobbing the fuck out of these guys. Yeah. Well, speaking of jobbing out, then we have New Day versus Cesaro and Sheamus. We were talking about Cesaro and Sheamus earlier, so the whole thing led to them basically now getting a tag title shot together as an odd fellows or odd bedfellows team. Um, Storyline-wise, it would make the most sense to put the belts on them here, but... Marketing-wise, it would be so stupid to take the belts off a new day when they're in the middle of this, you know, this record-setting run of yeah. you know being the longest ever tag team champs. I mean, I feel like WWE's got to leave the belts on them just so they get to that that milestone now, right? Yeah, and also like they sell T-shirts, they sell unicorn headbands, like. You're making so much money off of them, and you're gonna take the belts off of them and give their time slot on on the TV show to someone else. But how much that more senseless happen. does that make this the the Cesaro and Sheamus thing if they really are up against that kind of juggernaut where they can't win because of marketing? It just makes that whole angle even more stupid. Like, have they wasted yeah. my fucking time that bad? Well, it's it's not looking beyond your nose when you're trying to you know figure out where you're headed. Like, That's can we just lie and say that they hit the milestone of being the, the longest reigning tag team champs ever and still just take the belt off a of new day? Cause I'm, I'm pretty much over it. Uh, I, I gotta, I gotta say that, um, our, our good friend wants to chime in and say, uh, fuck Austin Aries. Uh, that was J man of the last real heels. <laughs> it's at last real heels. Oh yeah. Sorry guys. I'm going to have to get going in about 10 to 15 minutes um, because I'm supposed to be seeing Ouija too very soon. Ooh, spooky. Um, With friend of the podcast, Zach, WWE enthusiast. I just wanted to. What up Roman Reigns, Zach? Roman. Great. All right. Well, let me talk about this then real quick. Cruiserweight title, TJP versus Kendrick. Stupid. (laughs) Yeah. U.S. title, Hell in a Cell, Reigns versus Rusev. Stupid. I like I, Rusev. Rusev is a top I love, I love Rusev. And I actually, I like I like Reigns fighting in for the U.S. title. I, like, I'm feeling a little bit of this, but it shouldn't be a Hell in a Cell match. I don't even know if it should be on this pay-per-view. It feels like cannon fodder. It's just there. Um, I don't know that anything substantial could come out of it. Like, I'm sure it'll be interesting to watch. I, I don't have a problem with it. I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy it. Um, then universal title in a cell KO versus Rollins. I mostly care about how is Jericho going to be involved? Right. <laughs> yeah. 
Right. Which is great. They've done a great job. Like Jer everything Jericho is touching right now is turning to gold. I was really kind of over KO and Rollins in this feud. I wanted them to freshen it up somehow, and I feel like they've done that. Kudos to WWE. I talk a lot of smack about them, but I'm going to give them credit. The whole angle, I'm watching it. It's actually getting me to watch Raw, and I love it. Like I like them starting it off. Great, whatever. Um, the women's title, Hell in a Cell. Here's my problem with this match. It has been built up to the point now where WWE is going to have trouble sustaining it. Like, I feel like they did pretty good with the last Sasha-Charlotte match where Charlotte did the big top rope to the floor thing. Um, there has to be a high spot. And sadly, there has to be some kind of monumentous high spot that they can show for the rest of time that I'm actually afraid for these women. I feel like the pressure is really high. They're right at the edge of being able to pull off something spectacular, which is why they're getting the opportunity to do it. But I don't know if anyone can 100% say that they are capable of doing it. You've seen these matches between Charlotte and Sasha. Some of them have been great. Some of them have been shoddy. Some of them have been a lot of botches. The last one was really, really good. Yeah. So well, hopefully the momentum that. is moving forward. But Sasha has been injured a lot, and like the stakes are really high here, and they have to pull off a big spot, right? But it's yeah, also they the, have the big spot. What's going to happen is they're going to like. There's all this buzz. Like, how are they going to do this match? And with good reason. And the big spot is going to be when they finally get both of Charlotte's hands inside the cell at the same. <laughs> That's what everyone's wondering. Like, how are you going to have two women, a referee, a ring, the whole ringside area, and both of Charlotte's hands all in one place? But it's, I like it because it makes the women's belt look smaller when she grabs it. Yeah, because she's holding it. See, it would be nice if she, if she, if her hands didn't completely eclipse the belt, so that we could see it once in a while and be reminded of delicious fruit roll-ups. I just think the stakes are high. Um, well, we'll see. Also, I'm going to watch, though. I think they've done a good yeah. job. I want to see Hell in a Cell. I think in NXT, the main draw that they brought into all of their uh, groundbreaking matches was you are interested you and you're invested. And what they're doing now beyond any work rate revolution is they, they put them on doing the same thing over and over again on Raw, and they just they dilute the whole program between the two of them. I don't care about Sasha and Charlotte anymore. Then that was a great See, program. I don't. It's, I think. I think I do care about them the most, and I think they should be the only Hell in a Cell match. I think the title match should not be in the cell, and I think that the Rusev Roman Reigns match absolutely should not be in the cell. Oh, There's that one, no reason be in at all. You know what's funny though is everyone is freaking out that oh man, Charlotte and Sasha Banks are going to be the main event of Hell in a Cell. Remember the last pay per view when they're like, for the first time ever, we're putting the main event on first. Well, they're doing a triple main event. Well, That's here's the thing. They've been, debating, they've been debating all week whether or not Sasha, Charlotte's going to go first or whether it's going to go last. It's Char uh, Sasha's hometown. It's in Beantown. So that's oh. a really tough decision. Um, it's like, look, guys, either you believe in what they're doing and that they can headline this thing and you put it at the top of the card because it's her hometown and it's a big finish and, you, and the spot is going to work or... You're telling me right now the spot's not going to work. Whatever the high spot is, is a fail. Put it at the beginning of the card. Put the shine back on Jericho and call it a day and just tell me you failed. But to me, it's like, look, WWE, if you don't want this to be a fail, 
you have to put that as the headlining match and you have to show me that this women's revolution has actually worked. I disagree. You know why? Because the crowd are assholes. So you get less of an asshole crowd at the beginning than the end is my... Yeah, but it's, it's her hometown. Yeah. They're going to pop for it. They're going to be invested. Yeah. She's you the big star. one or the other. You ha- it can't go in the middle. It's no, no, that's death spot right there. Yeah. That's where you put Reigns and fucking Rusev is in the middle. That's where they'll be. Um, anyway, let me hit a couple other things before Casey has to go here. Uh, Uriah Faber retiring, Case. We called it here on the show not too long yeah. ago. Um, and I feel like it's a good choice. He's going to go out in sack. Um, and, you know, he's fighting oh, a, a, a fight that he should be able to win. And look, yeah. his, his career is, is at a spot where it's necessary. I mean, his last fight, geez, he poked the guy in the eye and couldn't win. Um, you know, and he didn't look great against Cruz. And it's like, if that's the guy that's a champ and, and you really got pretty spanked, you really do need to look at where you are. Like, are you here to just be a journeyman now at the end of your career? You're just going to go in and just have fights or are you really going to try to get back in contention? And Uriah is saying, no, look, I got Cody to be in contention. I got Paige Van Zandt to be in contention. It's not me anymore. I'm going to, going to go out on a high. I'm going to go out at home. I'm going to sell some tickets, put some asses in seats, put on a good show and be done with it. And I absolutely love the decision. Um, I mean, to me, you know, he put money in my pocket when he had that fight with Jens Pulver on versus because then we were able to come in with the tap out TV show on versus. And there was a market there. They did 1.5 million on versus for that freaking fight, man. man, I I mean, that channel at the time, like it was a small market. That was the, that was the fight that made people get that channel. That was the one that people started demanding to their cable providers. Give me versus Mm -hmm. like, you know, and, Kudos to him. I mean, put WEC on the map um, and gave us these lighter weight divisions in the first place. That I mean, that put the whole lighter weight classes out there for the world. Great fight. Love Jens Pulver. Love Uriah Faber. Sad to see him go, but glad to see him go out like this as opposed to how a lot of other guys have gone out where they've just stuck around too long and done the wrong things. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> Saving UFC 206. You got Cormier and Rumble on the card, but the GSP thing has turned into some kind of freaking debacle. Um, GSP went to... Well, first, let's start with Michael Bisping. Michael Bisping said, hey, GSP. He tweets out, hey, GSP, let's save 206. And you signed this agreement to fight me. Bisping is basically saying he'll give GSP a title shot at Toronto um, to fight him. And everyone was like, holy crap, that's great. They both have, they're both tied for the most wins ever in UFC history. And that would be a great way to break the streak is to have the two of them fight each other, even though uh, GSP has traditionally been a lower weight class. Still a great super fight. And I actually would give GSP a good chance of beating Bisping in that fight Mm -hmm. Um, because of his wrestling. He could grind him out, and and Bisping is primarily a boxer. Um, Anyway. GSP goes to LA. He's hanging out in, in LA. He meets with Dana White. He meets with Ari Emanuel, the big boss of WME, the new big boss of uh, the UFC. And basically, he releases a video in his Under Armour sponsor uh, equipment that he can't get on UFC, or maybe he can, basically saying he squashed things with Dana. They're on good terms. They're speaking. They're trying to work something out, but it's still not a done deal. I don't think it's going to happen at UFC 206. The honest fact of the matter is they already released the tickets and they're selling floor seats for like 300 bucks Canadian. 
you're not going to have a GSP fight with four seeds for 300 bucks Canadian. Like maybe he can come in and pop a huge number for the pay-per-view, but I think the ship has sailed. Um, I think you got to just go with Cormier Rumble at this point and GSP, you set something else up for him. Maybe a big New Year's card. Maybe you, you wait even further into spring next year. Um, I love the Bisbing thing, but Bisbing also has credible contenders in his weight class. So, you know, maybe we see the Anderson Silva GSP fight or that Robbie Lawler GSP would be great too. There's plenty of fights for GSP, um, though I like Bisbing. Um, and the real battle here I think people have to remember is, you know, we live in Hollywood. I read the the Hollywood dirt sheets. I read Variety and Hollywood Reporter and this other stuff. This battle is also CAA versus William Morris Endeavor. These two companies don't work together. GSP is represented by CAA, and UFC is now owned by its main competitor. I guarantee this is a big part of why this is not happening. Neither of these companies wants to budge. This has very little to do with the UFC itself or with GSP. I think this has a lot to do with talent agencies and entertainment lawyers. This is entertainment that we're talking about people. This is a big movie star trying to get into a package deal for another company basically. So take that for what it's worth, but don't, don't be, don't, don't think that it's just on Dana White or George St. Pierre. I think it's much bigger than both of them. Um, but Hey, at least GSP met with Ari Emanuel, which is big news. Um, now, the other thing that has happened to save UFC 206, and we're getting to the good stuff. I know you guys want to talk about this one. Yeah. There was a fight that was been added um, that does have good implications at 145. Max Holloway versus Showtime, Anthony Pettis. <laughs> but apparently somebody's not happy about Pettis being on this card because somebody decided to firebomb a bunch of cars in his yard. And I mean firebomb. It junk looked like the Marines just went through a village in Vietnam. It is horrifying. Yeah. This looked like when Killshot and uh, AR Fox were at war and Killshot left them in Vietnam. It was just terrible. And I mean, this is this is the kind of thing that'll make a man drop his dog tags on you. I yeah, mean, this I, is this is oh. horrifying. Um, I don't even know what to say about it. Like, is Milwaukee that rough that they somebody threw accelerant on Pettis's car in the middle of the night and on two of his cars, and then his third car caught on fire? They say his house didn't burn down, but if you look at the pictures while it's burning, it's like, damn! And he was in the house, in the house. Fucked up. It is jacked up. Like, I don't know who he ticked off. Like, did he not pay his bookie? Did he date the wrong dude's daughter? Um, did he not pay his gym fees over at Rufus Sport? Like, I heard some shady stuff goes out at Rufus Sport, but I didn't know it was like that. What is going <laughs> on? Oh, you, man. You see the pictures, Byron? They got they got a cool Instagram picture out of it. <laughs> taking a selfie. I think that's all they really care about. I mean... Well, that was his little brother, Sergio. Yeah, yeah. And I have felt his like Sergio, I felt like Sergio was taking the picture just to mess with his brother. Like at first he's trying to yeah. say, we're going to stay strong in the, in, in, you know, in the face of somebody trying to yeah. terrorize us. But I think yeah. really it's more like, ah, look, my brother shit got jacked up right behind me. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well, um, he said, we will not be defeated. His cars got blown up in his driveway and no one is going to get in trouble for it. I'm pretty sure the definition of defeat is when somebody comes to your house and sets the stuff that you have in your front yard on fire while you're there. That's pretty much losing. Yeah. I don't know how I could define losing any more so than that. That's losing. <laughs> Amazing. 
Is there anybody else I need to shoot on this week, guys? Um, did, I um, people? did I shoot on enough people? Did I make? Did I ruffle some feathers yet? Did I make anyone mad? Uh, uh, James Ellsworth uh, cost uh, Dean Ambrose um, a title shot because he got mad at AJ Styles and super kicked him. No chin music. Yeah, and somebody found the preacher panel with the where the fuck is your chin and uh, added it to James Ellsworth, which was fucking great. <laughs> which reminds me, we should have started this show off with the with the Steve Dillon thing, right? We oh, should yeah. have, man. That was some sad news. I'm reading some of his Punisher work right now uh, as a way to remember him. And uh, Byron should be reading some preacher that he probably has with him right now. Oh, so oh yeah, will, I have it. We will dedicate this episode to Steve Dillon, one of the uh, co-creators of Preacher Comic Book. Great graphic illustrator, uh, very storied career from the zines all the way through some major runs on some great titles. Um, uh, died young, and I didn't. I don't think it was reported why or how yet. I don't know what the the issues right. were, but it doesn't matter. Young. I mean, he was in like his fifties, right? Yeah, early, like 50-51, and man, oh. he has done some great shit. Uh, if you guys just read Preacher, check out Punisher, check out fucking Thunderbolts. Actually, if you're Marvel Unlimited right now, a Marvel Unlimited member, they have a whole Steve Dillon section. That's not going to get you Preacher, but that'll get you a lot of his Marvel work. Yeah. Uh, and you know, they just kind of put it together for you so you could remember the dude with his awesome work and he did a lot of really fun fucked up books and they were great and definitely stuff that shaped my high school years for sure. Preacher yeah. anyway. Me, me too, for sure. My, mm -hmm. probably my favorite mag of all time. Um, and if you haven't read it, go back and read it. Byron, get on it. I'm you reading it. it. Read it. Keep going. It gets better. Um, mm -hmm. the last thing that I did not shoot on. Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar, what the F? That segment was not good. It wasn't. <laughs> They're about as good as W. Lucha hyping a video game match. Uh, oh, shots oh, fired. Shots fired. Um, anyway. They were told, go out there, get them to boo Brock, and get that Goldberg chant going. And Brock is like, he, no one owns Brock. He goes out there ready. He's already like laughing. You know, Did he even city. say anything in the promo at all? It's like we bring Brock all the way out for the show and he, he said nothing, right? No, no, he didn't say anything, but he did laugh, especially when uh, his music played and they cut the whole thing off. Heyman was trying to do the, the Goldberg chants. Heyman looks so frustrated, and Heyman is good at turning a crowd, man, and he could not do it. I mean, Brock is at home, though. Why yeah. are they so stupid to try to bring Brock out and get heel heat? They were, it's not yeah, going to work. They were put in the wrong – they were told to do the wrong thing there. I mean, exactly, and Goldberg wasn't even there in person. Like, how do you – yeah, it was just dumb, but it, it wasn't Heyman or Brock's fault because obviously – like to their credit, there wasn't a deafening suplex city chant. No, listen, listen. It is Brock's fault. Anytime you're laughing through a promo and you can't keep kayfabe, it's your fault. You're a part of the problem. <laughs> he Brock was deserves... out there, man. If Come on, he, and when he yeah, came, he did wear the Minnesota shirt. And when he came he out, man, he was looking at people in the crowd. Man. He was getting people fired up. He was like at home. Like, don't bring a wrestler home and not let him get cheered. And the problem is the fact that Brock is not cutting his own promos. What should have happened is Brock needed to heal the crowd. 
Yeah. That was the only way it was going to work. Heyman was not going to be able to do it. Brock wouldn't need to come out there, get his pop, say his welcome to Suplex City thing, and then tell every single person in that room he didn't care about him. He's moved to Canada now, and they can F off. That was the way to do it. Like, gophers suck. That's what he would have needed to say. <laughs> like, that's how you get real heel heat, and it's on him. It's his responsibility. Like, he's actually there in person. They didn't even hand him a microphone, and he just walks out laughing at the end of the whole thing. It was horrible, yeah. horrible television. Like, oh, ruined he's the like, I'm going to go eat some fucking Jimmy John's right now and uh, fill my, my stomach and my less-than-normal intestines. Yeah. And wait, isn't Brock on the SmackDown roster? No, he's Brock. He does whatever he wants. <laughs> like, they yeah. just have completely given up having him be on a roster, which I think is the right call. Like, guys like him, like Cena, honestly, shouldn't even be on a roster. Cena should just be able to show up on whichever show it makes sense for him to be on. Um, yeah, whatever. It was just funny. It was a total botch. It was a rare, late-in-the-show major botch for WWE. You don't see too many of those. Um, good for them. It wasn't their closing, closing segment. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just like second to closing or something, right? Fuck, man. It was funny. Brock was doing a Jimmy Fallon out there. It, good times. Yeah, but I think like they said, hey, uh, uh, Brock, we want them to boo you. And Brock's like thinking, yeah, good luck with that. And I think he just kept that thought the whole time. You know, I think he went into business for himself, but I think that's standard Brock Lesnar right now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the whole thing is the whole thing is funny. Yeah. I, I'm still looking forward to the match, but again, like last week you heard me say the Goldberg promo was awesome. This Brock promo wasn't. Casey, I know you got to get out of here. I got stuff to do myself. Yeah. Aaron, we didn't want you here to begin with. so I got, um, I got stuff that's important to do. Yeah, sure you do. Like lounge around like Hugh Hefner in your bath towel or whatever that is. Um, but great show, fun stuff to talk about. we got more stuff to talk about next week. And this is it. This is your break from UFC for a long, long time. After this, there is a UFC every weekend until Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So, Byron. Coming up. Yeah, I'll be watching all of that. Yeah, thanks, W. Thanks, Zero Cool 666, Last Real Heels. Anybody who's actually watching the show live, anybody who's going back and watching it later, we love you too. We really no, do. Um, I don't. I'm sending. I have nothing but chance for all of you. I'm sending a big shout out to um Tammy this week because she's been very entertaining on Twitter. I'm gonna send a shout out to all my homeboys at Tommy Boy Records. Release the hounds. <laughs> Byron, you have uh, anything important to say? I'm just gonna say big up to Brooklyn. Until uh, next time, stay and- calm and. Stay in the mix. (laughs)